You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning, Perth. Welcome to 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. You've got myself, Hugh Best, in the chair, and I can't hear myself speak, so that's interesting. No, I and, can hear jo- you. and joining me is Pete Skeeler. Good morning, Pete. How are you today? I'm very well. And yourself? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, no worries. It's a strange old day outside. Um, predicted rain, but um, not yet. Well, I'd like to thank, before we start, uh, Futsal WA, our our partners uh, who help keep this show on the air with Futsal WA and Greg Farrell. Greg joins us regularly to talk futsal, so you can always register your team at Futsal WA and join the Super League. We'd like to thank also Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for custom-built fencing and gates and Gate and Fence Hardware WA for fence and gate components and automation to upgrade and protect your property. Pete, it's a big week in football. It's always a big week in football, let's oh, be honest here. Yeah. Always a big week in football. What has caught your eye? Before we start going too far, we'll, we'll talk about our guests. At the moment, we have Molly Appleton lined up to join us very, very shortly. She is the advocate reporter based in northwest of Tasmania, and she'll talk to us all things women's football, the recent Women's World Cup draw, the WSL, the A-League, her... Western United are doing gangbusters, strongest team in the league, holding up uh, holding up the division again. Yep. After Molly, we will talk to the wonder that is Miranda Templeman. <laughs> she, she'll be able to tell us all about her adventure <clears throat> with the under-23s in Costa Rica for the World Cup there, as well as her new section of her career. She has joined a new club, Melbourne Victory. Yep. 
And we will talk to her about that. She'll be able to compare the three different franchises that she's played for, the Glory, the Adelaide United and now Melbourne Victory. Did did she play for the... I didn't realise she was ever on the Glory books. Yeah. Oh, okay. I knew Adelaide and then uh, Melbourne Victory. Well, I'm pretty... Well... You'll have to ask her. Well, we we will ask her. I was... yeah, I'm almost certain that uh, she was part of the, the full squad. She was certainly part of the train-on squad, so maybe she oh, was... Um... It may have been at that level, yeah. Okay, good call. Fair enough. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, disputing you. I'm actually asking because I didn't realise. That's a qu- Write that down, Pete. There's a question you can ask Miranda because <laughs> we don't know Miranda that well. <laughs> <laughs> and we will have uh, Aaron Trevathan in the second hour. He's going to talk to us all things A-League, European Champions League and anything else that... that uh, Font of knowledge wishes to talk about from the other side of the world, and we hopefully will have a um, special guest, a uh, glorious guest, but that's <laughs> yet to be confirmed. But Pete and I have discussed that off air how we will feel if that mysterious, glorious guest doesn't uh, answer my phone calls. And let's face it, uh, those that don't answer my phone calls are in the 99.99999% of the world's population. Thanks, Mum, for answering the phone. So, back to the original question. Pete, what has taken your eye in the football world this week? Oh, look, I, all I need to say is just one word. That's uh, Bruno. Bruno! There we go. That's, that's um, yeah, obviously <laughs> probably been the main <laughs> oh, no. subject of conversation amongst Glory fans. And, Bruno. Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly something was going on. Well, we all knew last week something was going on behind the scenes yep. uh, with, his, with his Instagram post contradicting the official line regarding injuries. Yes. Uh, and so now, obviously now he's been released. He's he's off to wherever he goes. There's some talk of maybe Melbourne victory sniffing around, which <sighs> makes sense because he can reunite with about 50% of the glory squad from two years ago, <laughs> <laughs> including yes. their coach. Including the coach. I, I, look, and sort mm. of just deviating slightly, I am really disappointed that when Popovich went to victory, they didn't get his kids signed up to him, um, to the victory the way the glory did. Contracts are contracts, mate. They're worth the paper they're written on. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, yeah, it's yeah. All, all the memes did the rounds at the yeah. time saying, yeah, well, Melbourne Victory have picked up, you know, two youth players as well now. But uh, uh, as far as I know, um, uh, the, the Popovich boys are over in Europe. I think one of them's playing for a Croatian team. I'm not sure about the other one. Really? Yeah. And and confusingly, there is a Popovich in the league, but I think he's, for, he's a defender for Adelaide United and he's a young lad, but he's not any relation to Tony Popovich. Isn't he? No. Oh, okay, because I thought the Popovich came from... The Popoviches were originally from uh, from that region, Adelaide and South Australia. Did they? Did oh, yeah I, yeah, I just don't believe he is uh, of oh. any relation to Tony Popovich. So. Well, Confusing. if the A-League stats man says no, I'm believing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't actually have to have your facts right. You just need to sound confident <laughs> as you say them, and that's that's 90% of the battle. Come on, Pete, you've just given away the secret as to why I've been on the radio for so long. Come on, mate, that's not right. <laughs> I believe that was your us. refereeing tactics as well, wasn't it? You know? Oh, you. I was going to use a nasty word there that started with B and ended in itch. Oh, brutal. <laughs> that's, that's not right. No, there was more than a few decisions I made that people went, what the hell? And then video analysis went, what the hell? He got that right. I said, yeah, mate, once in a while. Once see, in a while. see, now I know you're lying when you're saying there's video analysis of the games you're refereeing. Uh, it was at the Golden Whistle. Uh, celebration probably about 2014. Um, the fabulous talent that was Scott Brown, yep. playing for 
Uh, who was he playing for at that stage? I think he was playing for... Balcata? Went in for an absolute... No, he was playing for Sterling. Went in for an absolute crunch on the Floriot captain. We would have been at least... Mm, I've got to think, probably about 46, 50 seconds in. Yep. Straight red. See yep. you later, mate. He walked. He knew what he was doing. Everyone screamed the house down. <laughs> Friend of the show, Don Evans, yep. come out, screamed the house down. Because I've just sent off their captain. Yeah, yeah, after, like you say, Less than a minute. Seconds, yeah. And it was his second there, and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, they put that up because the whistle, the reason it went on to the golden whistle presentation, a gold medal presentation, was the whistling. Mm. Because I went, I, I just went... The whistle went for a while because I just wanted to come and yeah. get everyone out of the way. Video analysis, 100% squad on. Nice. At the day, at the time, you're any yeah. number of names under the sun, got that wrong, look at the video. Oh, 100% correct there, Huey. I said, yeah, and that was his second. <laughs> <laughs> that was his second lunge at that player. And I went, second, oh. second one in 40 seconds. Yeah. Nice. And I went, oh, really? I went, that's why he's walking. Yeah. And that's why he's walking without saying a word. But, yeah, that, I, I reckon my decision-making was, uh, was okay. As, as Sort of, again, slightly off, well, not off topic, but sort of a little, little detour. As a referee, yeah. I, I, like, I always like this question is, um, Go for it. what's the most obscure ruling you've ever had to make in a game? Like someone scored a goal from a throw-in and everyone looked around blankly going, I'm not sure what's supposed to happen here or yeah, no, no, you know, if, th- things like that. What's, what's the weirdest sort of thing you've ever had to go, this is what the rules are and everyone's gone, it was, I don't know. It was uh, under 16s. Yep. Uh, so uh, it was NPL under 16. So I didn't give too much leniency at that level because mm-hmm. they're in should, the development know squad. What they're doing, yeah. They've got the quality training around them. Their pathway is in front of them. They know what needs to be occurring. A throw in. So a defensive player throws it in, throws it back to the keeper. Yep. Okay, and back. It still is the, the, the law nowadays. The keeper can't touch the ball. Direct from the throwing. From a throw, okay. By hand. Yeah, yeah, by hand, yeah, yeah. Okay. No worries. So this guy's wellied it. He's gone whoosha, throws it like 100 mile an hour, and the keeper's gone, oops. <laughs> Goes to save it, realises that he's not allowed to, puts <laughs> his hand back up anyway, touches his hand, goes in the back of the net. And uh, they're all going, oh, well, that's, you know, you, you can't score direct from a, from a throwing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's correct. Yeah, you're right. I said, but you realise your goalkeeper touched the ball. Yeah. It, but well, he's not allowed to. I said, yeah, I understand that. I said, he's touched the ball and the ball's gone over the goals, between the posts, under the crossbar. Yeah. Y- yeah, so goal kick, I said, um, you need to take one word out of that phrase <laughs> because we're going up this way. You, you can't, mate. It's got to be. I said, well, it's either an indirect free kick to the opposition on the top of the six-yard box, which is an absolute nightmare. Yeah. You've, you've yeah. seen those. Yeah. It's just horrible. Or goal. Yeah. I said, so I'll uh, take the advantage to the opposition, so it's goal. Coach went off his nut. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But once you explain it, a reasonable coach, as that coach was, went, yeah, okay, I can see. Yeah, all right, I'll have a, I'll have a chat. So that's... That's exactly the outcome. You yep. need to have a chat to your players and educate them. But, yeah, that was, that was quite weird. There's a few. You know, the old um, high foot one is always a good one. Yeah. Yep. Where the foot's not really high, but the head is the really low. It, yeah. And you give the free kick 
to the defender who's put the foot up. They go, well, he's put his foot up. I said, yeah, but you as the attacker have put your head in danger. Yeah. And that's that's the offence. There's a couple there. Yeah, that- I, I, I do remember having a discussion oh, probably last year or the year before where it had come up that ob- obviously you can't be offside from a corner. Nope. And you the reason for that, Pete? Do you, do you understand well, the reason well, for that? Well, there's a couple of reasons, but the main one is by definition the corner, the ball's taken from on the goal pretty much Brilliant. on the goal line. You well done. Off. But also you can't be offside from a goal kick. No. I never knew that. And you so won't. your striker can literally linger down AFL style, yep. just linger in front of the goals, and if you've got a mighty yep. kick and the wind's blowing, you can just send it all the way down the pitch there, and so provided no one touches it yep. to knock it on. He can he can stand there by himself in a position that you think is a mile offside and go, yep, I'll have that, thank you. Yeah, I've had goals scored that way as well uh, with, you know, <laughs> the club licensing with the flag up going, yeah. miles offside, ref. <laughs> I said, mm, not directly from the goal kick he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, but he was, mate. No, yeah, but with the changing of the goal kick law, uh, there's less likely that that's going to occur. Because you know, now they can go in the goal square, pre- yeah. Previously, yeah. That, that law was uh, legal because the ball... Officially, it wasn't in play until it left the penalty area from a goal kick. Okay. So, um, again, the ever-changing laws of association football. Previously, the ball could only be in play outs, uh, after a goal kick if it completely left the area and wasn't touched by anybody else. Okay. So there was... Uh, uh, but it, it still stands today. Like, if your goalkeeper absolutely wellied it oh, from it a goal do. kick... Yep. Mm. Um, and I remember Penny was the host at the time, and obviously Penny's got a lot of experience. Yep. She's... You know, played internationally, play and and even she, like, was. Is that right? That doesn't yeah. sound right. You, no, you, of course, you'd be offside. And I was like, well, no, you wouldn't. No, no. So again, one of the phrases that I used to use as a referee: yes, he's in an offside position. Yep. But he's not committing the offence offside. Yep. Yep. And that's the 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 vagaries of the law, uh, and that's not just our sport. There's vagaries of those sorts of laws uh, through a variety of different sports. But yeah, you can you can stand in an offside position, particularly from the goal kick. And yeah. just go kick it to me. Actually, one other one. This go. is one I was wondering, and I feel I should know. Oh, here we go. Oh, no, no. One of my mates is a rugby fan, uh, doesn't follow a lot of football, but he, right. he's sort of getting into it with me. Yep. Um, and he's been asking questions about offside. And, and right. there was one that I thought, actually, I don't know what the rule is. So player standing, same position. You're standing in offside position right next to the goalkeeper. Yep. You know, mile offside. Yep. No doubt about it. Player takes a shot. Um, like, you know, another player on the team takes a shot. Yep. Goalkeeper parries it and it lands in the, at the feet of the offside player and he taps it in. Is he offside or not? Offside. Be- even though he's received the ball from yep. a defending player. Because the initial phase of play, when the shot was first taken, that player was in an offside position. But if it was a defender and- on the team had the ball and simply played it back to his keeper and that same offside player was there, he, he's allowed to get it then. He's not offside Correct. then. Yeah, yeah. So, um yeah, the player is seeking... So, in the first instance, the player is seeking to gain an advantage from being in that offside position, hence the fact he scored. Yeah. Uh, second one, if your teammate passes it back, you need to give him a kick up the backside because even though that guy's in an offside position and scores, so identical situations, pass from his own player, offside, pass from the opposition player, goal. Okay. And again, you, you, you try to explain that to people who uh, are new to our game, they go, but... The attackers in the same spot both times, right. and, and technically they've both. You could make the argument they've both received a, a pass from yep. the defending yeah. team and gained yeah. advantage from being gained advantage from being in yeah. that in that position. But yeah, the, the fact that the keepers touched it both times, yeah, makes the second scenario a goal. Yep. And the oh, let's go. I, I felt he should be offside in that first example yep. where he's lingering around the goal and you know just 
you know sweeps up from a def- from a def- from a deflected shot. Yeah, parry a parried shot. But I was like, well, how is that different to the defender just passing it back to him? Well, and because I, I couldn't I couldn't come up with a clean no, explanation. Well, that, well, that's it. Yeah. So again, one is clever play. Yeah. Disallowed goal. One is stupidity. You need to you need to be punished for that stupidity. I yeah. Mean, who, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think I ended up giving him actually my my, my buddy the, the Ted Lasso answer, which, is, which <laughs> go is, on then. Uh, <laughs> I can't define it exactly, but you know it when you see it. You know it when you see yeah. it. That's it. That's it. You know it when you see it, and the, the, that's all you can say. Do, yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah. That that that's a that's a good one. Uh, and again, it's just down to the the pass because again they're trying to take deliberate out of handball they're trying to take deliberately interfering with play oh yeah the deliberate well the handball one's always a bit iffy it, it feels like the, the the ruling's always slightly changing it's is it deliberate or is it part but um, in a natural position yeah. oh and the glory should have had a penalty last week as well against central coast discuss. would have been 3-1 do you but, want to um, discuss that one because that that again uh, we <clears throat> have found that our particular domestic league has been one of the um, cornerstones of VAR technology. Yeah, and how that didn't get picked up by VAR, because they were replaying it. Even, even the commentators, uh, was it, I can't remember if it was Simon Hill or not. Probably. In, in my mental memory, it was Simon Hill. It's voice. always Simon Hill. Yeah. Whenever I hear a football commentator, it's yeah. Simon Hill. And he was like, like <laughs> you know, his arm was away Watson. from the body. His, 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 you know, his, the defender, Samuel Silvera, his arm was away from the body. It was, it was up in the air. It was. It, it hit his hand. It was. It was. You know, blocked, blocked the cross. It it's, did. That's a, that's a penalty. You know, I mean, you and I were screaming the same word at the same time, and then probably the same word after that at the referee. <laughs> <laughs> because I too can uh, get a, a tad vocal when it comes to officiating, particularly <laughs> when you have such a an invested vehicle as VAR, and you still can't get it exactly. Exactly, VAR gets a lot of criticism, and quite rightly at times, because I, I don't have a problem with this idea of pausing just to make sure you get mm. the ruling right. I mean, yep. we've had you know. Goals go over the line yes. and not paid, or goals. And, well, well, the I good guess news is, Pete, with, with that technology, yeah. the goal line technology was an easy one to, to introduce, and and it's instantaneous. We've seen that uh, during live games. Yeah. You, you've got a device on your wrist. There's a device in the ball, and there's a, a measuring device on the on the goal line. Yep. That is only triggered when that device in the ball goes completely over the goal line, goes to the device in the wrist. Bang! You don't even have to ask the referee now. He's already gone. Point to the wrist. Point to the centre. No one's arguing. Yeah, that's what. I until, think until you get someone smart that gets a little bit of a Wi-Fi hacking happening on that, <laughs> yeah, and then you're sitting there, the balls near the balls near the goal, and you know, just hit, 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 click on their phone, and yeah, oh, the, that's a goal. Wait, yeah. it's got for a throw-in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it went. The, yeah, come on, man. Yeah, but VAR really should be. It, it was designed initially with that minimal intervention on game time. Yeah. You know, I was watching the. Um, Copper, um, Copper Sud America, and there was a couple of decisions there. One was for a penalty that was eventually the, the penalty was given. Oh, I, I, I think I told you when we were on. We had um, a Brazilian, who was it? Was it the Flamengo goalkeeper in a Copper America, uh, Copper Sud America semi final was sent off twice by the referee <laughs> to have VAR both times go, yeah, no, you got that one wrong. Yeah. The first one was he, the keepers come rushing out, gone the old Eric Cantona, collected his uh, his opponent. And I thought, well, that's a no-brainer. Oh, let's go to VAR. Because the ball was bouncing 
all I can uh, assume is that VAR went, well, he was a genuine attempt at the ball. Unfortunately, he's hit the player. Give him a yellow card. Yeah. I thought, he's kicked him in the head, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's, that's well, an easy I one. I mean, the other thing with VAR... It's, it's really only just that they message the referee and then the referee still gets the final. So they don't overrule the referee. They just say... Maybe we should get Matt Cheeseman on. Re, uh, re-look at this bit. Because Matt know, Cheeseman yeah. isn't uh, involved heavily in the VAR from the assistant side of things. So we'd be able to... I'm not going to say yes or no, but yeah, it, it's... From what I understand, VAR um, official talks to the on-field official... Yep, and says, take another and says, look at have this. have a look. Yeah. But I would be very surprised if that VAR official is not discussing. I was going to. Oh yeah, yeah, they they may be discussing, but it still, it still lies with uh, the, but, lies but, with but, the referee to make the final Have you thought yeah. this? Did you see that? Have another look at this. We find another angle. But that's what I I, I find to be a little bit. Um, uh, well, one of the issues I have with VAR as a referee. You've got to get into the best position you can on mm-hmm. the field of play to make the best decision you can from mm-hmm. what you've seen. Now, for that decision I made with, um, with Brownie, I was close, clear, confident. Yep. Off you go. Now, had I not been as close and with a clear view, and I've seen slightly different angle, different contact point, I would have gone, maybe I would have gone, oh, that's yellow. Which I see now with VAR, where the referee, you can see the referee, he's got that view, and then they go, oh, but if we look at it from the other side, at slow motion, at a different angle, of course you're going to get a different decision. Because you are. You're looking at the same incident from a different angle. Of course you get different interpretations of what you've seen, because you're seeing it again and again from different viewpoints. Yeah. You know, the referee, it's like baseball with the strikeouts, uh, the oh, strike zone. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, ref, the the umpire behind the plate has what he believes to be his fixed strike, strike zone. Yep. yep, between the knees, over the pitch. Uh, sorry, above the knees, between and the And I was watching the shoulders, a, yeah. a little bit of the World Series uh, this morning before I came in, and there was a couple, I thought, geez, that's like below knee level. Yeah. And the, the replay, because they have their drawn-on box of the strike zone, the replay's gone mm, slightly low, but the ump's called strike. Can you imagine that game having VAR for all, all those sorts of things? You, you wouldn't get a game. And the good news is, with, with the World Cup coming up in Qatar and the recent Nations League, that this is going to be the vehicle for VAR to be correct. Yep. And they're going to do everything they can. This is FIFA and, their, and those people there to make sure VAR works at the upcoming World Cup in Qatar. We saw some decisions in the... Nations League that I thought, oh, they're, they're good decisions. But I thought some of them were a bit obvious to then go, let's go to VAR. Oh, no, you got that right, ref. Well, of course he did. He got it right the first time. Why did he need to go to VAR? That, yeah. That's another one that annoys me. When the referee makes a correct decision, or what appears to be a correct decision, let's go to VAR. We'll have a look. That's still correct, mate. Well, why stop the game for that? The issue, also, I thought during the last World Cup, the 2018 one, where they had VAR, yeah, which very, I could very I badly could see being a huge problem, was the fact mm. because they let the game go on while yeah. VAR is reviewing a decision. I could see one where, you know, let's say mm. Australia's attacking, <coughs> um, foul happened, or so it looks like a foul, but the referee goes play on. The VAR starts analysing it. Ball goes down the other end of the pitch. France bangs it into the yep. back of the net, and then suddenly the VAR goes. Well, I mean, in this particular example, I wouldn't be complaining. Yes. But you know, the VAR goes. Wait, wait, wait. 
three minutes ago there was a foul back there. We need to cancel this goal. That didn't count. Didn't yep. count. Yep. Um, and like I say, in that case, I'd be like, oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. But you know, you could understand this trade. There would be absolute riots in the stands. Of course. Um, if if you know goals are disallowed because there had been a foul three minutes ago, but they were still reviewing it. But that's down to uh, to game management. You yeah, know, the, the game smarts. But I, I don't um, know what the answer is there because well, I don't the want them is to kick it out. So. Well, I don't want them to stop the game every time the VR is looking at something. So in that but. situation where again, I'm, I'm with you, Pete. If that had happened, I'd be going, "You beauty, suck that, France." <laughs> but what I would have suggested if I was in a position of um, coaching. If there's VAR available and there's a controversial decision not given your way and you're in possession of the ball, rosette it. Because mm. as soon as it's out of play, that's when VAR will go, by the way, mate, you need to have a look. Yeah. But if, if you – same with a player injured. The, that now is becoming less and less the expected norm. Or oh, our player's down injured, you've got to kick it out. Yeah. No, your player's down injured, we're now playing 10 men. Yeah. We're going gangbusters. Yeah. And I've seen that the other side where the, a player has a player down, they're in possession, and they're attacking. Yep. They lose possession and then start harassing the referee and the opponents to go, you've got to kick the ball out, our player's yep. down. Yep. Well, you didn't when you had the ball, so yeah, we're exactly. going to – and then score. And then, the, again, like you said, then there's a riot because, mm. oh, you didn't, where's the fair play? Well, when you had the ball, kick it out. But what I would suggest in that scenario that you mentioned with VAR, as soon as you went, geez, that should be a penalty, we've got the ball, rose at it. So yeah, that, but in, so in this particular example, it's geez, it should be a penalty, but France has now got the ball. We, you know, we yeah, didn't get any, a chance to get in it. that three minutes. At any time, there could anybody, you know, foul a guy, give him a kick, take yeah. a yellow card, because as soon as that game stops, yeah. we need to check. And maybe that's the next level of tactics mm. that will come into play. We reckon there's, you know, something happened. Then, yeah, we'll do a bit of a professional foul, yeah, just to stop the game. Well, but of course, that 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 also you know runs on the assumption that the. Um, that the VAR is, you know, looking at it. Like, the players on the pitch don't know what's going They don't know. They don't have the TV screen with well, the VAR checking in the corner flashing. I don't like flashing, to say so. because a majority of our listeners are players, but there are a majority of the players don't keep up with the, the amendments to the laws of the game. Yep. So they're not 100% sure. Same with the offside that we have recently, where uh, the ARs are now instructed to wait until yep. the end of the play. Yep. And then maybe put the flag up yep. when the situation you've you suggested, you know, like the guy from the from the goal kick, clearly offside, miles yep. offside. Yep. AI can see it, the whole world can see it. Where's the flag ref? No, 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 no. Oh, he scored a goal. Well, someone's going to get hurt doing that. I can see that because there'll be a defender come flying in and go. Well, I'm just going to take everything. Yeah. There's your red card. Oh, and by the way, he's offside anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and because now you still have to send the player off because of the defence they've. They've committed. That's right. And then restart with the offside at the halfway line, even though you've clattered him. It's, yep. it's an odd one. Anyway, that's a discussion for a, a later date. We've got Molly Appleton coming up next, all the way from Tasmania, the Apple Isle. She is the advocate's reporter, and we'll get her online. That's a good chat, Pete. That was very good. That's a good chat. I'm looking at the clock going, I said I'd ring Molly at about uh, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, she hasn't gone down to the pub, because if she has, she needs to invite us next time. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're with Pete and Hugh on the World Football Programme here on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. As I say, we've got Molly Appleton coming up after the break. Stick with us. Plenty more to come. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. 
Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Apologies for that if that came through as nasty as it did in the headphones because <laughs> Pete's got that look in his face going, Ugh! So that was um, our Radio Fremantle sweep. On the line, joining us now is the Advocates reporter, Molly Appleton, all the way from Tasmania. Good morning, Molly. Well, as I should say to you, good afternoon. Good afternoon, guys. How's it going? We're going really well, Molly. Yourself, before we start, how's the weather there, mate? You, you're you okay? Yeah, going well. Today's probably Best day it's been all week. It's been a bit grey and miserable, um, but a bit drizzly. We had floods a couple of weeks ago, but nothing, nothing since then. So it's not, not too, not too shabby up here. Okay, that's good news, Molly. As I said to Pete at the start of the show, big week in football. Oh, where, where, do, where do you, where do you want to start? Where do you start? I mean, oh, it should lead to Sam Kerr, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Um, four goals in Europe, huge, huge thing. Um, yeah. And pulling out the backflip, and um, I believe it was her first hat trick in Europe um, as well. And um, it's it's not been the easiest season for her so far domestically uh, in the WSL. So it's good to see her sort of shake some of that off, I think, and play with a bit more freedom and get those goals that's just been in, in and about in the right areas. But to, to Get, get them in the back of the net, I think, a good thing. And it's, yeah, a good pressure reliever as well. It's just a good good game to, to get that in. And then I think it got subbed out about the 70th minute. So, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a bad day in the office. <laughs> not a bad day in the office. <laughs> yeah. Molly, the... Um... <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'm gonna start. I, I have to. Uh, we were gonna. We we're gonna talk about Beth Mead later in the in the show. But I thought let, let's go with that. How does a player in the same league as Beth Mead, who gets the player of the season, goal scorer of the season, players writer of the season, finish behind another player who didn't get any of those accolades from the same league in the best player in the world? That's a. That's a tough one, isn't it? That's it. Um, it's the thing of, uh, you know, your Euros weighing heavier than even the Asian Cup, like, mm. or yep. the Asian Cup or any of the American or African Cups or any of those. Um, there's a real, there's a real bias towards Europe, which we know, which is, uh, you know, why the Matildas players have gone there to have a bit more global exposure as well as experience, uh, in the game, um. 
So whilst Bethneed was, was fantastic for, for England, I don't think she was too much head and shoulders even above some of the other English players. Yep. Mm. So really, really got that. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, a bit of, bit of that hangover almost. You go, yeah. England's just won the Euros. You know, they should have someone that's up and about. Um, and then on the other foot, you've got the winner, Alexia, who missed the Euros because she's injured. So you go, well, she's in the same pot as Sam Kerr, and yet, you know... Um, Whilst I think Alexia is great, she had a fantastic season and yeah. they did better in the championship. So, yeah. you know, there's an argument for her to, to perhaps have won it. Um, but I think, yeah, Kerr was definitely gypped at third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and, and on the point, she's, she's like in third place by a lot, too. Yeah, though, I know. Yeah. yeah, so Beth Mead only missed out by a, a, a vote, from what I understand. And they were saying, had she had a better European. Uh, final, and I thought, yeah, you, you end up winning. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how does it need to be better? What you, you kick everybody and and you know, sh- <laughs> shake shake Blatter's hand, but you know, so she was, from what I understand, was very disappointed to have missed out by a vote. But I'm mm. thinking, hang on a minute, you want to have a look at your stats <laughs> against a player who played in the same league as you mm. because. She's way behind. I can't... Oh. And then even you just look at um, Arsenal, whilst they showed a lot of promise last season, it wasn't yeah, yeah. their best season um, compared to Chelsea, especially. Um, so whilst I think they finished second place, they were, they were definitely second place. They weren't really... Chelsea Chelsea were all over them with, with the players that they have and, and the season that they had last year, this season... Conversation over for another year when Sam Kerr finishes third again, uh, with with the World Cup winners medal around her, uh, her neck. Going, oh, just, <laughs> I'm the highest goal scorer in the World Cup, so I've won the Golden Boot yeah. there. I'm the WSL Player of the Year again. I'm WSL Player uh, Goal Scorer of the Year again. I've got the World Cup winners medal and third. Thanks a lot. Oh, Australia winning the World Cup. Uh, You're optimistic. Yeah, well, anyway, the World Cup. <laughs> Molly, let's talk about nicer things. The the Women's World Cup draw. You've got yeah. your tickets. You're following Australia in the uh, in the ticket allocation. Can you tell us how that occurred, please, and how easy it was for you to get your tickets? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to get 
Yeah, so for me, uh, the big ticket was obviously the Matildas pass, which was um, really important. Mm. I won't be catching them for the round of 16. I've decided to stay in Melbourne. So um, because it's just cheaper because I want to watch the quarterfinals and finals uh, in, in Sydney. Um, so, yeah, getting the Matildas pass is... For me, it was it was relatively easy and mostly painless. It was a bit of waiting in the FIFA queue, um, but I got it the day that they released. I fortunately have a visa card, so I was able to do the visa pre-sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and just got the stadium passes, yeah. and now there's the single tickets. And with the draw now, now out, I was able to get a couple of England tickets, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so those Matilda's passes were, were the thing I was definitely going, yeah, I need to get that. And yeah. um, you can sit with Matilda's active with Category 3 1 as yep. well. So I've sorted it out so I get to sit, enjoy the game with those guys. And Brilliant. Yeah, it ended up being a good process. I think I got all the tickets I needed without realising they were the tickets I needed. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little less complicated for us over here in Perth. There's only the five tickets and uh, that's it. So yeah. I, I've got my tickets. I, I took Matt Stacey's advice, um, Perth Glory superfan Matt Stacey. said, it's so easy. And I went, oh, yeah, right, it's FIFA. How easy could it be? <laughs> but, yeah. But it was super easy, so I got my five tickets. The stadium passes are brilliant. Mm. Um, I've got them for Melbourne because I'll be based in Melbourne with my mum for the World Cup because it's not Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> 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 accommodation um, and it was so easy just getting the Melbourne super fast and it's been like straight I'll be able to get I think they've got five to seven games there something around that they've got a bunch of games there as well so yeah good one now Molly can I ask a question with the um, um, the World Cup are there any venues in Tasmania that are highlighted as training hubs for the World Cup or not um, we got the base camp we got two base camps. Base camps, yeah. Uh, so um, Launceston and Hobart, I'm pretty sure, yeah, Launceston and Hobart got them. Right. Devonport missed out because their hotel, brand new hotel, it's next to um, a convention centre where all the meetings rooms are. Right. But the hotel mm-hmm. itself didn't have the meeting rooms and literally that was the only mark against Devonport and that's the only reason. So so there's a meeting centre next to the hotel but because the hotel didn't have a a meeting centre because it's next to the hotel. Oh, that that is so FIFA. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love them. I love FIFA. I should have worn my FIFA shirt today, Pete. I, I really did. I, I see, see, you've got this Radio Perth shirt on. Yep. I should have worn my... I used to train when I was refereeing. I used to train the FIFA shirt. And people going, oh, oh, so are, are you a FIFA referee? I said, of course I am. They're going, really? So, well, yeah, because eventually everybody... Yeah. <laughs> so if you're, if you're uh, refereeing little Johnny at the under... The under tens, well, probably not the under tens. The under twelves, and you've got the badge on. You're refereeing for FIFA. Yeah, no, you're not, mate. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) But I had my FIFA shirt on, and one of the senior players would go, "Oh, we've got to be careful. He's a FIFA ref." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Right, mate. Now the draw that Australia got. Uh, for Group 2. Uh, and again, a lot of uh, people were unsure or at least uneducated about how this draw was going to go. I was super excited. One of my favourite parts of World Cups is the draw. Is the draw, yep. yeah. Because the, the permutation, because they're going, oh, OK, well, we, we, we've drawn out, yeah, for example, we've drawn out Switzerland. Oh, OK, well, Switzerland should be in the next 
available group. Oh no, wait, because oh they've got to get. And like, well, yeah, and, and the balls have been preheated. Certain ones, <laughs> they know which ones <laughs> to draw. Preheated. Yeah. Oh, you guys have heat. We've got we our theory in Tassie is that they they uh, freeze them. Like that's the theory that I've heard. So, Look, they probably go I both ways. Yeah. <laughs> It, it'll be a bit of a giveaway if they do like heat some, freeze the others, you know, so they don't mix them up. And then they, when when they're doing the mix, like one of them cracks because it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, coming off it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the uh, the England. No, it's not. How can you tell? It's, yeah, it's steaming. Yeah. It, it surprised me. Like I watched the, the the coverage, and I thought the coverage was was excellent. Um, uh, on the weekend, and Heather Garrick, the superstar that is the yes. Heather Garrick, she uh, was asked, "What would be Australia's worst scenario group?" And she went, "Well, okay, well, let's go." And she went by the highest ranked nations that would be available mm. for yep. us to get. Her worst available group that Australia could have got was well, we're talking the Matildas here: uh, yeah. uh, Australia, Canada, Switzerland, Nigeria. That was her worst, but she also said the best could have been Australia, Italy, Costa Rica, Morocco. Now, with her worst, people that, that doesn't line up with the FIFA rankings, by the way. They're slightly different. Is it? Is it yeah. really? Yeah. Well, 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 she, she said the FIFA rankings for the. So I'm looking at the as they were in the pots. Yeah. But, you, but but you understand that there cannot be two. Europe- yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the the best would have uh, sorry the worst would have been Canada, uh, Denmark instead of Switzerland. Denmark's rated higher, and Nigeria. Is that right? Yeah, and, oh. the, and the easiest, so to speak, easiest in quotes, yeah, yeah. not Italy, it would have been South Korea and Jamaica. No, it can't be, can't be South Korea. Oh, because they can't be in the same... Ah, no. oh, fair enough. No, that's, that's why Italy's got it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll hmm. see, serve I, a humble pie there. I'll have that one. And, and I think I that... I think that, Nigeria's in an interesting spot oh, despite yeah, yeah. being higher up. Um, I think that whilst... Like, I, I understand why I had a Gary up that group and normally I agree with her with a lot of things mm. so I feel weird saying I don't agree with her on this one <laughs> Discuss <laughs> but, but Nigeria's come off they've been third best in the African Cup yeah. first yep. time in a long time that yeah. happened um, you know so they're either going to come to this tournament with a fire up their butt and <laughs> will be really difficult or on the other foot they could be a bit of a mess and not quite sure what footing they've got. Um, so, you know, as a Matilda fan, I'm hoping for the former. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they can play, or, or if it's the other, like they'll get it all out against Canada and then they've lost the spark uh, by the time they reach up. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Nigeria, like I'll rather Nigeria over South Africa or even Morocco. Yeah. Morocco looks like they were great. They looked really organised. I mean, um, I, w- I would have loved to see the Philippines in Australia's group. <sighs> P- I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm just glad that didn't happen. I almost celebrated that as much as I celebrated <laughs> England being in Australia. But <laughs> again, luckily for us, the Philippines are in the AFC, so yeah. they couldn't be drawn against us. So we dodged, I think we dodged a bullet there. That, that was it. But yeah, maybe that, we'll get them in the second round. <laughs> could do, could do. But like you said, uh, Molly, with Nigeria, the way the draw came out because Canada was the uh, the first team drawn into our group, but they because of the the uh, the way the draw takes place, mm. so you draw the, the the nation and then you draw their spot in the group. Yep. and they were drawn fourth spot. I thought, oh, because. That then puts the Canada-Australia game as the third game of the group. Mm-hmm. And as we know, when we get to World Cups, the third game of the group is normally the ones where 
put the cue in the rack. We're both one and two. Doesn't really matter which way. Off we go. Although, with this particular World Cup, the uh, winner of the group will go on to play the winner of England's group. So it could be an Australia-England round 16. Uh, the winner of the group would play the runner-up from another group. Oh, sorry. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it could still yeah. be England. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right there, Pete. Thanks for picking that up. You're 100 yeah, percent correct there. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. So, so England, so England, we, we cross over the group. and one of the other playoff mm. winners, who would be either Chile, Senegal, or Haiti. Uh, that's that's still to be determined. Yeah, and while you're on the playoff winners, there, Pete, the the we've got the two other playoff winners. Yeah, so yeah, the in other Perth. two players. Are they in Perth, are they? Yeah. They're all listed as playing... Oh, sorry, uh, at the World Cup proper, sorry. Yes. Um, yeah, for the qualifying. So there's still a couple of spots up for grabs, and by the looks of it, they're actually hosting a tournament in, in New, New Zealand. Zealand. So yeah. Hamilton in, and Auckland... In January. Yeah, have the game. So I think I think we ran through this list the other day. We Portugal, did. Cameroon and Thailand is one, yeah. one of them. So one of those three. Uh, Chile, Senegal and Haiti is another one. And then Chinese, Taipei, Paraguay, Papua New Guinea and Panama. And mm. with a bit of alliteration there. So, again, uh, I'd like to see Chinese Taipei get through. I know. You've got oh, and get a game against China. But, um, four. Are they, are they drawing? No, that? They're, they're not in the same oh, group. So, no, so it would have to be a cutthroat yeah, knockout game. <laughs> I'm going to look at the page go, where's that? Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Group F, Molly, uh, you interested in, in that one? See, we've got France, Jamaica, Brazil, and uh, one of the playoff winners, which is the Panama, Paraguay, Papua New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, Guinea one as well. Taiwan. So, yeah. if it's um, Panama or Paraguay, that, that, that could be a really tasty group. If it's Papua New Guinea, I, I fear for them because. Oh, I'm, I'm always happy to see someone new at a World Cup. So, no, I would are, love Pete. to see Papua New Guinea there. But can you see Papua New Guinea putting up any sort of resistance to the juggernaut that is France? Um, could that, you see North Korea beating <laughs> Italy 1-0 at the World Cup? Wow. North Korea have won three World Cups, Pete. <laughs> Come on now. They, they beat Portugal and South Africa 7-1. What are you on about? Come on, Pete. North Korea, one of the most powerful nations in world football. History proves that. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. No, they, they just keep it the same spot as well. It's not played a game since God knows where. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's true enough as well. But still, I think... Definitely top 20, if not top 10. Like. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What other group takes your fancy, Molly, um, in, in the World Cup coming up? So the, the last group, Group H, Germany, Morocco, Colombia and South Korea? No? Because um, we, we've got more that. interested to see how Morocco goes, I think. Mm. I think so, I just find them really fascinating. Um that they've come up and they've looked, they looked really good when I watched them at the, in the African Cup of Nations. And they had lots of home support, so whilst they're not at home, I think it's, it's interesting times there. So that's I'm interested in that one. I think I get to catch one of the Germany games as well at some point. Well, so. yeah, we, we, get, we get one of the Morocco games here. We get yeah, yeah. Morocco-Colombia. So. Yeah, 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 that's the last game of the, uh, the group stages as well. So yeah. we, we get to close out the group format. So we'll see you over here on the 3rd of August to watch that uh, Morocco-Columbia game, will we, Molly? <laughs> uh, if you can pay for my flight. I'll have to have a word with Penny about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll check the budget. I'm sure there's a, there's a couple of coins rolling around there. <laughs> um, so it, it, the way that uh, that works, I mean... With, with, the, teams, with the teams in the uh, World Cup as well, I was just sort of thinking... 
Um, I don't know if you've seen the map. There's a, there's a sort of like a just a FYI type map where you draw a little circle around Asia, like a small section of Southeast Asia, and it's, it's more people live in this circle than outside the circle in the rest of the world. Yep. Uh, and we know, obviously, Southeast Asia, and we're sort of expanding, like including Japan and China in that list. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but a massive population, and that's massively into football, but doesn't hasn't had representation at a World Cup. And yeah. I'm just sort of looking here. We've got both Vietnam, Vietnam. and the Philippines yep. there. Um, obviously, you yeah. know, they've never made a World Cup in the men's, but I, I think the, the following there would be absolutely mental in those relative uh, in those countries. Um, you know, it's going to be absolutely crazy there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's not really a question there. It was more no, of a no, comment. No, I, I, I think, well, you know, we're both looking at that. Well, because I'm looking at you and we're going, question. Yeah, um, yeah, might have yeah. Vietnam, as we've seen, uh, are doing quite well in the... Uh, in the youth ranks, yeah. um, and they are the mm-hmm. current. Um, is it the under eighteen World Cup champions? Possibly, although I don't. I don't put too much stead into youth ranks. Qatar was the World Cup runners up in nineteen eighty one in the youth. I saw um, them. I saw Qatar. They played at Highmarsh Stadium. Oh, yeah. brilliant! They've yeah. still never qualified for a World Cup on their own without buying a. Buying oh, a come on, Pete! So, allegedly, so that was that was you allegedly. know. That, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is youth success at the youth level does not necessarily translate to success at the senior level. Well, it will this time because Qatar went out and got uh, all the youth that was available in Brazil and made them Qataris. Well, that's true, but I, I think the ones that won in 1981, they're also they were all Qataris at that stage. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they'd also be in their what their 40s or 50s by now, surely yeah, 60s. Well, it's still good enough, <laughs> you know. Good, good enough, old enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not old, too old, too good. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> now, um, to mentioning of Stajic, Stajic has uh, said that um, the Philippines are looking to medal. They, yep. they, they, they're not coming to the World Qualify. Cup to make up numbers. And again, they qualify first. No, they are. They, no, the Philippines they are in. Qualify? The yeah, women's, yeah. Philippines are in. Well, am I going to have a look now? Which group they're in? I believe in? they're playing in New Zealand. So yeah. they're, they're oh, sorry, unfortunately yeah, they not in. Yeah. New Zealand. Uh, sorry, I thought I had. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're in Group, group A. a. Group, a. A. group A with yeah. the hosts. Yeah. So, and again, that's a, an, another surprise with the the split of the, the two nations and, and the draw. So we've got, what have we got? We've got Group B, D, E, and H. And New Zealand have got Group A, C, F, F and G. Yeah, it sounds like you're swearing, man. <laughs> it always sounds like I'm swearing, Pete. Turn it up. <laughs> yeah, but Stajic has gone... The, you know, the game in the Philippines has gone through the stratosphere. Um, and as he quite rightly... Really, hmm. He was interviewed before the draw. He says, we want the heavyweights. We want the giants. We want New Zealand. We want Australia. We, we want... Oh, he'd love to play want, Australia. We want the, the sport in the Philippines to grow and become the number one sport. I'm not 100% sure whether it's... Baseball or basketball? I think basketball in the Philippines it's is the basketball. main sport. Okay. Uh, I know they've obviously got a very heavy American influence, which, which is probably like boosts baseball a bit, but mm. my understanding is, is basketball is number one over there. Okay. So he he's very bullish about the Philippines going on, and we we spoke with you earlier in the year, Molly, their AFF championship uh, was, mm-hmm. you know, how good were they? Uh, they won it. Mm. You know, yep. so they're the Asian champions uh, at under twenty three level. That and from what I understand, Stajic is building the youth level to flow to the senior level. So yep. it, it's likely that a fair chunk of that AFF under twenty three side is going to be fronting up 
next year for the senior side for the Philippines. Yep. So with them, with New Zealand, Norway and Switzerland, I mean, that people are... They always go, what's the group of death? <laughs> You're in the World Cup finals, mate. They're all the group of death. Yeah, Turn sure. up. Yeah. But yeah. Group A looks to be one of the most competitive of the lot because mm. I'm looking at that going, well, you think Norway should do quite well. Yep. And Switzerland. And Switzerland And the do. host nation. And the host. And the Philippines, well, as we just pumped up the tyres. To, to be honest, <laughs> probably outside of Asia... Um, the Philippines may be underestimated a bit. So obviously oh, yeah. we're, we're acquainted with the yeah, Philippines because right. we know the coach and we've kept an eye on how they're going. Yes. It wouldn't surprise me if Norway and Switzerland were a bit, uh, you know, some yeah. lowly Asian country. They're, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's an easy three you points. Beauty, we've got the Philippines. That's yeah. three points. Yeah, yeah you, you're in trouble if you think that. Group C is another one that uh, has the, the looks of... of Unpredictability there. We've got the the Spanish that we we spoke about earlier with the, the current Ballon d'Or winner, mm-hmm. and about ninety percent of the <laughs> the female European Cup winners <laughs> side in it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Costa Rica, Zambia, who I don't know anything about. I was going to say not a lot. I, again, I like seeing new countries really there. Yeah. I was going to say, do I know a lot about them? I don't know anything about them. So let's reiterate that I don't know uh, anything, and that's my fault not doing the homework. And Japan. I mean, Japan ex. Uh, World Cup winners, and um, yeah, they are always a, a danger. So again, there's two two groups we've highlighted there that quite seriously could qualify for the group of death. Yet I, I walk down the street and they're going, Australia's in the group of death. Like, yeah, really? Why is that? Oh, it's because we're going to get bundled out in the group stage. Um. Oh, you come on! Oh, Pete. look at this! I've just gotten so Molly, negative lately. Uh, Zamb- Zambia, you so if you no, 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 no. We'll, we'll make the second round. Oh, then... it kill... <laughs> Maybe now, now. While I've got Molly on the line, this is the the, the reasonings why I was un well very underwhelmed with the appointment of Mr. Gustafsson because we knew we were hosting the World Cup, and traditionally. Maybe not so much in the women's side of the game, but traditionally the hosts of World Cups do well, if not go on to win the whole thing. And when we had the opportunity to appoint a new coach, I thought we should have gone for a World Cup winning coach. We got Gustafsson, England got Wiegman. Which one? My question is: Which, which uh, one do you think did which, better out of that? Because which, England had which the same. Federation th- is more loaded with money. I would <laughs> this say is true. That, um, it's a country with its national one code, whilst okay. we're battling for third, would be uh, would probably uh, explain why that was the case. Okay. I agree. I would have loved we being went down here. There's a few others that would have been on the market around that time as well. That perhaps has, or that definitely has more international women's experience than what Gustafsson had coming in. Um, but I mean, it's sort of almost next best with how much money. Like it's, I feel like it's a question of money and. Um, unfortunately, I don't imagine Football Australia, whilst they're rolling it in some respects, I don't think it's enough to sway, um, you know, a two-time European European Championship winning coach. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, All right. Yeah, I agree. I All agree. Right. Uh, more experience. I mean, we're doing better than what England did before that with Phil Neville. So... <laughs> Um, that's why we ha- that's why we have you on on a regular basis, Molly, because you love slagging off the ponds as the, much as I do. Fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is, I'm half. I'm just brutally honest. Like I've got the Aussie like dry humour on it as well, where it's just like, yeah, no, like England have just bombed at times, and it's yeah. good to see it's otherwise. But they've 
they've handled the ball, ball a few times to get to where they are. OK, and um, just before we let you go, Molly, and thank you very much for joining us, we've got Molly Appleton, the advocate reporter from Tasmania, on the line, joining Pete Skeeler and Hugh Best on Radio Fremantle. Gianni Infantani, mm-hmm. did you catch any of his comments closing it down? Uh, I had a few people give me a bit of a hard time during the week going, well, how come the Australian Prime Minister was near you, you, you snubbing FIFA? Well, I'll give you the heads up. The Australian Prime Minister, when this draw was being held, was in Perth, meeting and greeting the Japanese Prime Minister. So yeah. with the situation that um, yeah. Japan found themselves in in that space, and we won't go too far down that one, it was more mm. prudent for our Prime Minister, our country's leader, to be hosting the Japanese Prime Minister than meeting Gianni Infantani. But Gianni came out with, this World Cup will be, I promise, and these are, these are the, I'm quoting him directly, I mm-hmm. promise the best ever. It will turn your two countries upside down. We're not going down under. We're going up over. <laughs> nice. And I couldn't cringe enough when he came out with that one. <laughs> oh. I oh. could not I cringe thought was, enough. I thought it was you have to, but it writes newspapers, yeah. doesn't it? So could, he, could he not have had a, sw- a, 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 a swipe at rugby? Because the Rugby World Cup is in a different country at the moment. He could have had a swipe there. He could have had a swipe at the AFL. You know, we're going to turn your country up. You know, I... Yeah, anyway. I love love Gianni Infantani because he's better than the previous. (laughs) (laughs) The previous dinosaur there, yeah. And the previous yeah. one before that was better than the previous one before that. But you, so eventually, you're saying, you're saying they're getting better. Eventually, we'll get one that we deserve. <laughs> or, or have we always had the one that we deserve? Yeah, that's, yeah. Anyway, what, uh, what I did uh, like was to finalise with the, the, the comments was, um, yeah, he, he actually came out with the Kiara for New Zealand and G'day yeah. for Australia. Oh, I, 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 it surprised me he could speak Australian. It really did. <laughs> But, you know, the man's a multinational. He speaks multiple, multiple <laughs> languages. He can now add Australia to that list, which is, which is good for him. Fits in like a true cobber that he is. But, Absolutely. But Madame Fatima came out with, she, she says it's going to be the most attended, the most viewed, the most spectacular, the most colourful, and it will, mm. it, it will open up both countries to the rest of the world. And if you miss it, you will regret it for the rest of your lives. I thought they were the comments that resonated with me the most. Yep. Miss, miss mm-hmm. it and you will regret it for the rest of your life. I spoke to people at work and said, I've got my World Cup tickets. And they're going, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going, to the, to, going to the cricket on Wednesday. I said, mm, <laughs> no, mate, cricket. no, no, the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, 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 Wednesday. Okay, no trouble. And um, <laughs> she was Italian. I said, like, you, you know your nation's qualified for the World Cup for the first time ever. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 we didn't qualify. We, 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 we. I said, no, no. The women. The, the women's World Cup. Italy are coming to Australia. Oh, oh, maybe I should get a ticket. <laughs> I thought, mm, maybe I should start educating. <laughs> yeah. But I thought, just as I said, just before we close, I thought maybe that uh, highlights a little bit of lack of awareness from the general population because... When I speak World Cup, they, they talk about the Cricket World Cup. Yeah. They talk about the Rugby World Cup. 
And I, I always, I have to admit, mm. Cricket World Cup especially, it makes me, I can't help but, like, smirk <laughs> and do these men- mental air quotes, World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with about, <laughs> yeah, all, what, six or seven countries? All, that all actually, 12 nations. Yeah, know that play, yeah. All 12 nations. And interesting, interestingly, uh, not to get too smug, but the Cricket World Cup actually shrunk. They, they reduced the number of countries at it, which probably right. tells you... Yep. More than you need to know. It says a great deal. Molly, thank you very much for joining us. We've got uh, the lovely Miranda Templeman coming up next, and she's going to tell us about her trip to Costa Rica for the World Cup that she attended just a couple of months ago. Is there anything else you would like to leave us with, Molly? Um, no, just get your, get your ticket. I, get got, your I got mine. Room. I got mine. Um, yep. Just uh, did have return for free. I don't know if that's still going on, but if that pops up, it's worth it's worthwhile. But yeah, get your match tickets. Absolutely, it's going to be incredible. Yep. not to be missed. And as um, I uh, said, the tickets here in Perth, hundred bucks gave me five tickets to the World Cup. Yep, could Fantastic. not believe it, including the much sought after Canada, Ireland. Yeah, ooh, Pete won't be able to recognise me. <laughs> oh, actually, yes, he will. I'll be drunk as. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that guy in the green with the green hat on stack it. Oh, that's you. Yeah, that's I was you. about to ask who you are going to celebrate, uh, who you are going to support, but I think you've just, just given me your answer there. Football. <laughs> yeah, football. That's right, yeah. I'll be cheering on football in a green shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to chatting with you very, very soon. And you stay safe and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Molly. Thanks, Molly. And that was me doing the wrong order. That was Molly Appleton from the Apple, the Advocate's reporter. So for all your sporting news in Tasmania, get onto the Advocate, look for Molly, and there you go. Or we could talk about uh, Molly's football rants. She has a Facebook page where she talks about all things there. Her latest post was the Denmark shirt. Oh, was it? That's, oh, that's I must be looking did, at an old version of, a, of her yeah, I website. Show, I showed you off air. The, yeah, the, the, yeah, the Denmark no, uh, blackout show. I've, I've got something about Cup. her timely expansion, happy about Central Coast. Anyway, just before you move Go. on, I'm just going to get a bit of a Do it. geography nerd happening here. You, got <coughs> uh, you were saying you knew nothing about Zambia. Well, I know where Zambia, Zambia is. Yeah. And I know Zambia played in the 74 World Cup finals and got absolutely hammered by Brazil. Oh, dear. You've confused Zambia Zaire. and Zaire. Zaire, yeah. sorry. Look at you getting your countries that start with the letter Z mixed up. It's not even called Zaire anymore either. <coughs> but anyway, they were there. as I was going to say, <laughs> Zambia have not been to the Men's World Cup. No. Nope. And I, I knew that, but I just saw then they are the first ever landlocked nation from Africa to qualify for a World Cup, men's or women's. So landlocked meaning does not touch the ocean anywhere. So, obviously, your, your Cameroons, your South Africa. Nigeria. Nigeria's got a long coastline. Okay. Um, Togo, Ivory Coast, Ghana, etc. You know, Egypt, Tunisia, they all... South you know, Africa. South Africa. They all sort of border the, uh, border the ocean at some point. But Zambia's the first one, first inland, shall wow. we say, uh, country in Africa to get to a World Cup of any type, men's or women's. That's, I've got to that's say your that. point. You're going to lie awake tonight now pondering that. I know. No, no, I'm just trying to think of how many other. So you've got Rwanda, you've got. You're Uganda, um, you've got your Botswana, Malawi. So Zaire has a, has a coastline. Zaire, has, yeah, it stretches out to the, uh, to the west. Um, it's got like a very narrow. Um, I forgot what the geographical term is. But peninsula? Like, but not, yeah, almost like a peninsula, like a, like a little stretch just specifically to get to the coast. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Wow. So there's, there's your pointless, pointless bit of info for the day. 
So we'll wait for Sudan to be the next one. Yeah, Sudan. Uh, uh, Sudan. Well, Sudan has got a coast? Yeah, it does. South Sudan doesn't. South Sudan is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Mm. Well, on that note, Pete, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, am, I am absolutely flabbergasted with that. that yeah, is... do you need a coffee? Because it looks like I've just put you to sleep there. No, no. No, no. That was... <laughs> Dare I say it? Very interesting, Pete. Oh, really hear the sarcasm, man. <laughs> That's why you're the greatest wingman ever. <laughs> that one was that one wasn't sarcasm. He is the greatest wingman ever, but that that okay. And how do you think that's going to help them in the World Cup? Oh, it's going to have absolutely no effect whatsoever. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Being landlocked means that they've never been to the beach. Well, that's true. So there's no, no beach, beach football. training. No, no beach, beach football to yeah. interrupt their, their I, I training program? I don't think that's going to make a huge difference. One way or another. It's, you know. <laughs> All right. Fair enough, Pete. Well, Zimbabwe, there's another landlocked one that starts with Z as well. So there's only two Z countries in the world these days, Zambia and Zimbabwe, since Zaire got renamed. What do they re- rename Zaire as? Democratic Republic of the Congo, because Zaire rolled off the tongue too easily. Oh. I thought the dem- okay because no no there's Congo which is one yeah. country and there's Democratic Republic of the Congo right next to it which is what used to be Zaire but it used to be called the Democratic Republic of Congo then changed oh, to Zaire possibly and then did I don't change back that, but yeah okay see see all the interesting facts you learn about the world following football welcome to the world football program here's your geography lesson for today <laughs> you've got Pete and Hugh in the chair we're on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM's the World Football Program. After the break, we will have Miranda Templeman on air to discuss her recent trip to the Under-23 World Cup in Costa Rica. Which is not a landlocked country. No, I knew that. <laughs> that one I knew. I, I, yeah, again, good on you, Pete. I knew where that Costa Rica was. <laughs> Thank you. They've qualified for the Women's World Cup. They have indeed. And we can have a chat about that as well. In fact, they so, border two oceans. The Pacific and the Atlantic. That's right. See? There's a bit of geography. We need, yeah, we need, yeah, we need uh, to move on before uh, I just start focusing on. on the geography too much. <laughs> Fair enough. Keep it locked. Plenty more to come. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Yes, you are. You are listening to Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. We're on every Saturday morning from 10am to midday for all your football fix. And we have World Cup hero Miranda Templeman online. Good morning, Miranda. How are you? Or is it good afternoon where you are? 
Morning, Huey. Hey, Pete. How are you? Oh, uh, very well. Very well. How about yourself? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Enjoying a uh, rare sunny day in Melbourne. Nope, turn it off. Come on now. Just rub it in because it's all cloudy yeah, and horrible yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> the one day in Perth that it's cloudy and you're going to rub that into us? Turn it up. Come on, Miranda. <laughs> With that being said, how have you found the new club? Yeah, I'm loving it so far. We're, I think, two weeks into our official pre-season, but we did some um, pre-pre-season training pre-season. before that. I hate pre-pre-season. Um, <laughs> Um, which was followed by our pre-pre-pre-season with the future <laughs> Matildas. So, fair enough, we've had a lot of preparation, to say the least. But, um, yeah, it's been really good. We had our first um, internal kind of practice match uh, this morning, which was good. We finally pulled some sun out for us, which is nice. And, yeah, good to get 90 minutes. Before we get too far into the chat, how's the weather, all jokes aside, uh, been for you and... And the Melbourne community as a whole, it's been, from what we hear on the, the news reports, been fairly devastating, but you're actually there. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that before we start? Yeah, I know the, um, the floods hit quite close where we were training and where I live as well, but luckily um, we're a bit uphill, so uh, my home was fine. But uh, yeah, we were, I was trying to get to training one morning and I just see, you know, a bunch of police and fire trucks and they said the bridge is closed, everything's overflown. So it was all down Maribyrnong Way, there was all flooding and um, it was bad for a few weeks. But these early in Melbourne weather is so weird, I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> I'm looking to my left and I see rain clouds. I look to my right and I see blue skies. I don't know what to wear outside yeah. the house. Yeah, my, uh, my knowledge of, well, Melbourne weather is... You wake up, you get a raincoat, you get a beanie, you get the sunscreen, and you get your flip flops. You said, "Yeah, you, yeah, you ready? You ready for the days?" I still I, like. I've heard all the jokes about the Melbourne weather, but the first time I went over there and I was talking with a taxi driver, um, you know, I was moving, going between offices, and he said, "Yeah, it's going to be raining um, before lunchtime," and it was like ten a.m. and I'm looking around and it's just completely blue skies, and I'm like. Mm. This guy's full of rubbish. Come on. And sure enough, within an hour, it was bucketing down. And I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah it can be like that. I think yeah. I tried to take a video outside my window of the absolute storm that was going on. And by the time I said, oh, I'll retake that one, it was sunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Miranda, can one question that Pete and I came up with, were you officially on the senior list at Perth Glory? Uh, I don't think I ever was, okay. no. Ah, ah, told you. Yeah, see, Pete, <laughs> Pete scores a vote on that one. Oh, I thought you were. Okay, so you were just on the train-on squad for Perth Glory when you were over here? Yeah, so I, was, I think I was a train-on since 13, 14 years old, but, uh, yeah, never got the, the official contract. Mm. Okay. What comparison can you make between Melbourne Victory, where you are now, and, well, I won't say, yeah, okay, your two previous clubs. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Is, is, what are the significant differences you noticed right off the word go? You, you, you rocked into Melbourne Victory and went, ooh, that's different. <laughs> not, yeah, the well, colour, I mean... not, not the colours of the shirt, obviously, because we <laughs> <Yeah>. know <that. laughs> No, I think I've loved all the clubs I've been at. Adelaide was amazing last year, and um, I think clubs were really professional but this year Melbourne is just it shows why it's one of the biggest clubs in Australia if not the biggest and 
I mean, the first day Jeff is walking me around Amy Park, giving me a tour of the facilities that we get access to, and it's absolutely incredible. Wow. The recovery facilities, the gym facilities, and um, yeah, we're very lucky over here. And um, the other thing that I've noticed in Melbourne is um, the benefit of having multiple teams in one state. Yeah. So we actually have friendlies coming up against Western and um, Melbourne City. So um, haven't experienced mm. that before, being a person. <laughs> Uh, Adelaide, where it's usually our pre-season games are against boys, which is, is a different type of football. It's good to build up match fitness, but in terms of, you know, the specificity of the league, I think it's really good to play um, the calibres of, you know, Melbourne City before you get going into the, the league. Okay, so you do do um, uh, pre-season matches against the, the boys' teams as well, or the men, sorry, the men's team as well, is that right? Yeah, sometimes against academy boys, you know. Okay. Um uh, that was something that we previously did at um, Perth and both at Adelaide, but um, and it's something we'll do here as, at Victory as well because it is really good for your match fitness to play against boys. So, um, but it is a different type of football, so it's a good to get a mixture of both in before the season starts. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> with the goalkeeping stocks at Melbourne Victory. You've got the number one shirt, have you? Or what what, <laughs> what what shirt number did you take? I've got number 20 again this year, so Ooh, keeping it on so, so you're going to keep number 20 for your career, are you? Oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, good, work. good work. <laughs> no, um, it's good. It's really good group. We've got, um, obviously, Casey and myself as um, number one and two, and she's coming off an awesome season, and she's such an experienced goalkeeper. So it's been brilliant to learn off her so far, but... Um, yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Okay. A question I've often wondered um, for, for goalkeepers specifically, um, mm. when you're on the bench. <clears throat> so if you're like an outfield player, you're sitting on the bench, the coach will sort of say to you, all right, we're going to sub you on in five minutes, you know, start mm. warming up. Whereas if you're a goalkeeper on the bench, you're generally only going on without any warning. It's when, you know, when the on-pitch goalkeeper's been injured or, you know, red-carded or something, uh, you, mm. you rarely get advance warning that you're you're going to be going on in five minutes start warming up you know get the blood flowing you, you may have been sitting on the bench for you know 70 minutes watching the game how does that affect you like like how do you actually sort of respond to that and go right i'm on now you know quickly sort of jog out a little bit faster to the position just to get the blood flowing that sort of thing yeah no it's definitely i think one of the most mentally challenging parts of um my career so far is um being a second keeper it's it's quite a balance you have to you know during the week you're pushing your first keeper as hard as you can making mm-hmm. them in their spot and then yep. um ultimately on the weekend you've got to support them and be there wherever they need and if that means coming on to fill in um after they've gone down then that's part of your job and i think it's trying to stay switched on throughout the whole time yep. um even if you're not involved in the game watching it learning from what's happening getting a read on the game so if you know God forbid something does happen or mm. um, a situation where you need to come on, you're absolutely ready. And I think having a routine helps as well. And I've worked with, you know, mindset coaches and things about um, how to have a routine, about what if, what if, you know, something happens. Yep. Um, you know, you've got, you've got to get your shin pads on. You've got to get this. You're going to go through <laughs> this exact routine. And um, I think that's definitely good to get in the right mind state to um, head on the pitch and do your best. Okay, fair enough. Good answer. How's your uh, how's your hand? Fully recovered? Yeah, fully recovered now. I've got full range of motion back, which good. is good. And it only left a, a little dot scar on the tip of my thumb. So, is that all? Nice. Uh, yeah, 
That's where the so bone poked exactly. out, was it? Is that, is that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> that's a nice no, reminder. See cool. that scar there? That used to be bone. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very lucky with the doctors and medical support that I had. So, um, yeah, very lucky to get full range of motion back and feeling really good. Brilliant. Now, Costa Rica, tell us all about it. How did you get there? Uh, so was there uh, did you go through America to get to Costa Rica? So we actually had a pre-camp in Mexico. So we did go, we went through America to get to um, Mexico City. Yep. And we were there for, I think, two weeks prepping and doing um, altitude training. Wow. Yeah. Very, very (laughs) difficult. You do one lap to the pitch and you're absolutely blowing. But um, (laughs) it was really good. Like, it was very tough work for those two weeks. But I think it really prepared us to go into Costa Rica and, um, we flew into Costa Rica, I think, a week before the tournament started and um, kind of adjusted. It was a lot more humid than it was in Mexico, but um, obviously the altitude was lower. So um, we kind of carried over that fitness and our sports science staff are really good with um, helping us manage all that. And yeah, it was absolutely amazing experience when we got there. I mean, to have Costa Rica in the opening game yeah. in Costa Rica mm. Um, mm. was incredible. I think we got about 20,000 people out to the game and uh, it was an amazing atmosphere. You're warming up and you can't even hear yourself. Like, think you can't talk to anyone next to you. It was, they were very, very loud and I think very vibrant as South American culture is known for. Mm. Yep, um, I'm looking at that uh, right now. You officially had 22,506 people. Mm. Yeah, Big, it was amazing. Biggest crowd you played in front of? Yes, by far. <laughs> by, by, I mean, far. by what, by about 22,500? <laughs> 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 oh, that's, no, that's me being, no, that's not right. So I'm sorry there, Miranda. But, yeah, an excellent result, 3-1 to, to start with. You must have thought we're in a big show here uh, to, to get through to the next, the next round. And then uh, Brazil. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to I mean, talk to us about that one? <laughs> it was, you know, always going to be a tough ask for us to go out and, um, compete against these nations that are like just so incredible and I think Brazil and Spain were very different teams I oh, think yeah. Brazil were mm. very individually technical and a lot of fancy footwork oh, I, yeah. mean, uh, I remember our uh, coach warming up one of our subs and saying okay you know when you go to press the centre back you've got to slow down because if you dive in she's going to absolutely break her ankles and <laughs> she's like yep 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 okay first run goes absolutely dead set at the winger and the winger just rolls the ball through her legs yeah. <laughs> and she's like, should have slowed down. But yeah, they were very, very technical. And um, I think that was the game where it was absolutely bucketing down yeah. and it ended up getting, I think there was a, an hour of stop in the first half That's right. and then yeah. another 15 minutes for half time. So that was obviously a challenge in itself to kind of, stay active and we didn't know what was happening it was all up in the air and every time there's a lightning strike as well we had to wait another 15 minutes and, <laughs> um yeah it was a difficult situation but especially as we just conceded before oh, um, yeah. we went in. Mm. so um it was a lot of how do we fix this you know the coaches got video from the first half up ready for us which was amazing and um we went out there and obviously i think we performed quite well uh, against the calibers of players we were up against but um, yeah, obviously couldn't come out with a win on that. And then into the Spain game, that was very different again. I think they weren't as technically um, individually brilliant as Brazil were, but as a unit, very tactically and technically advanced. And I think the runs they were making, especially their nine, their nine scored the hat trick. Yeah, Gabarro, um, yeah. Yeah, 
was very, very good, Ugh. very small with her runs and um, difficult for our centre-backs to track. But, um, yeah, overall, I think uh, the girls were happy with how they went and um, the style of football we were playing. We enjoyed it. It was good football to watch. It was good football um, to play and everyone really enjoyed the experience. Yeah, that Spain game. I mean, oh, I can't remember which player. I don't think it was Hannah. Um, was it Daniela Galic? J- just before Spain scored their first goal, we had such mm. an opportunity. I thought, oh, yeah. and I thought, oh, get that in mm. because it was the final game of the group, and yep. we, if we got three points, we we're out of that group. And I thought, oh my goodness, and then the heartbreak. Literally a minute later, they're yeah. down the other end, bang, goal. I went, oh, you're kidding me. Like, we were <laughs> yeah. bossing that game for the first 20 minutes and basically their first shot, back of the net. And I don't know, even back here in Australia, I, I, I felt a little sense of deflation. I thought, oh, mm. come on, come on, girls. Let's, mm. you know, it's only one. It's, yes, we're playing Spain, but the particular the performance against Brazil, the game beforehand, which I had more worry about. Yeah. I thought we could get a result against Spain, but uh, Gabaro, oh my goodness, she's shown exactly what sort of a talent she is and will become uh, when she becomes the finished product. Uh, how, yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, if, and as I um, w- was saying, I think at, at the time, if that had been Ronaldo or Neymar or the, the, was it the second goal that, that well did she scored, was it the second one or the third one? Oh, I think it was the second. Yeah, yeah, because the first one was, yeah, wasn't a, I mean, it, it was well taken, but yeah, I think the second mm. one was like world class. I went, geez, if that had been anybody in the men's game, yep. we'd, we'd never, we'd never to not hear about it. Yeah. But, mm. you know, we're talking at, uh, at a junior level of world football. Oh, I'm sorry, it's, no, the skill level is just awesome. What, mm. In Costa Rica, what was your, uh, your, your go-to meal? Did you actually <laughs> get to sample some of the local cuisine or was it all um, camp-regulated? Um, we actually had a chef travel with us, uh, cool. Tiago, who was the Matilda's chef. and He was originally just supposed to be in Mexico, but we I think we begged and begged for him to come along and <laughs> cook us our morning egg omelette. So ah. uh, that was good. Um, we did get to try a few things and there was always a new juice for us to try with some interesting ingredients in them but uh well, it wasn't yeah um, now with that being said how did you go with that with the uh wider restrictions because like you say some of the local food you look at it go yeah it looks okay you taste it go, mm, tastes a bit odd and you finish it and then you know particularly me you know a couple of hours later you where's the toilet sort of thing <laughs> 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 did you have any concerns of that with some of the the local food or or, or not at all because you had your chef no. there yeah, we had Tiago there and he was really good in overseeing everything that was being prepped and cooked. So um, we had a lot of faith in him and he did really well by us. Good. Now, Hannah, breakout performance, you would have thought? I mean, we, we've, you in particular would know more about Hannah than, than Pete and myself, but mm. yeah, we've, we've seen her come through the ranks and we, we know her to be uh, the superstar talent that she is. Do you think that was her breakout tournament? Yeah, she was incredible. She's Wasn't always she? been... Yeah. a next level, but, um, yeah, she really showed her talent there and such a humble person, very good person and um, only is it going to improve from here and I think hopefully she'll have an amazing season at Perth except when she versus victory, but... Um, oh, <laughs> no. Come on now. Oh, uh, even then, even then. Yeah. I'll go, but, um, 
nah, she's been really good and um, she's really thrived in that environment, that national team environment. So That's good to hear. Now, I see you had the number 12 shirt. <laughs> is that going to be your national shirt and your, the number 20 is going to be your your club shirt? Uh, who knows? I'll get what I've given, eh? Get what you're given? <laughs> oh, come on. That's that's no way to act like a superstar. You you know, I want, I want the number seven shirt because, no, it's already been given out. I don't care. I'm not playing unless I get that. <laughs> but wearing the number seven shirt's a bit strange. No, no. Well, <laughs> here's, Pete was doing interesting facts. So I'm not sure if you were listening, but Miranda, can you name a landlocked African <laughs> country that starts with a Z? Zambia. Oh, oh look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. I, I, oh. I wouldn't even have known what that landlocked meant if I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. So the fact I'll go with is that uh, you, a goalkeeper can wear any, any number they like. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. But the interesting fact, FIFA, after the 1978 World Cup finals put into law that only a goalkeeper can wear the number one shirt. Oh, is that right? Do you do you know why? No. All right. Do you know why, Miranda? No, no idea. Do you know why, listener? No, you <laughs> Because Argentina, everybody wants the number 10 shirt. Yeah. You had Osvaldo Adiles, I want the number 10 shirt. Oh, sorry, mate, you can't have that. Mario Kempes, well, I'm captain. I want the number 10 shirt. No, oh, sorry, mate, you can't have that. Everybody wanted the number 10 shirt. It's, it's a highly prized number yep. in South American football. So, um, Minetti, the Argentinian coach, says, I've had a gap full of you kids carrying on. Mm. Like, you can't all have the number 10 shirt. Well, that's it. I'll sort it out. So, <laughs> he then went to the Argentinian Federation and went, right, give me the World Cup squad. Yep, okay. And they, as most squads are, alphabetical order. He went, right, number one to number 22 in alphabetical order. Yep. Osvaldo Adilas played in the number one shirt. <laughs> and FIFA went, hang on, he's no goalkeeper. No, no, because there's nothing in the rules that, or mm. laws that says the number one shirt yep. has to be the goalkeeper. He went, aha, uh-huh, let me fix that one it up. It will be soon. <laughs> he, he, he can wear the number one shirt for this one. He won't be wearing it for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and from that point onwards, Osvaldo Adilas, the, one of the rare outfield players to wear the number one shirt. Speaking of shirt numbers and trivia, did you know that Australia is the country that first introduced numbers on shirts in football? I did know that, actually. Yeah. There we go. I can't remember where I read that. When when did that happen, Pete? I thought that was Scotland that did that. No, it was in the 19, I'm going to say, 20s. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was uh, Australia's. So, so when people is say Australia's right? a footballing backwater that's never contributed anything to the world, yeah, because we've only been <laughs> look at look yeah. at the back of everyone's everyone's uh, shirt. Yeah. That's uh, Australia did that. Yeah, yeah, we've only been playing for hundred years. Yeah, we've, we've done nothing. <laughs> is that right, Pete? Could yeah. You... Okay, I didn't know that one. Oh, I'm gonna. I've got homework. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you, Pete. <laughs> Miranda, your uh, A League coming up. Where do victory start? Um, I think we're. Oh, who was our first game? Oh, Western away United. To Western United. Yeah. Western United. Yeah, and and I'm um, like you say, you're all you know multiple teams in the one city. So away to Western United's a bit of a misnomer anyway, because well, Western yeah, United yeah. don't really have a home ground anyway, and they're kind of a joke of a club. But um, <laughs> have they still not built that ground? Oh God, no, no, no. So they're playing at City Vista Recreation Reserve, which. By the Where's that, Miranda? Where's City Vista? Sounds like it's going to be a park oh, with jumpers for goalposts. Well oh, yeah, well, keep that uh, in, in mind. You don't like Melbourne's a great place. Love Melbourne. <laughs> All those uh, listening in Melbourne, love Melbourne. Hate the weather, love Melbourne. <laughs> 
Molly, uh, sorry, Molly. Uh, Miranda, did you stay on in Costa Rica, or was it um, once the uh, tournament had finished for Australia, you were then out of the country? Yeah, so we flew out the next day. Oh. The the night uh, last night was pretty cool. Because you're in the hotel with everyone in your group. So yeah. we were in a Spain, hotel with Spain and Brazil and Costa Rica. Ooh. Wow. Um, and it was pretty funny. We were all, all the teams were up until maybe 3, 4 a.m. in the morning having chats, swapping jerseys. So I managed to, to cop a jersey, a goalkeeper jersey from each nation. And, oh, excellent. Um, they gave us, yeah, we had plenty of jerseys to swap. I think we had six jerseys each. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, three home, three away. So, so plenty who, of swapping material. Who did you swap with in Spain? Did you get uh, Texel Fonts? Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Did you get the number I one got, shirt? Who have I got? Spain, I got number one. Yep, nice. Brazil, so, I got number 21. Right. And Costa Rica, I think I got number 21. Oh, no, number one as well in Costa Rica. Hmm. You've got two oh, Costa Rica shirts. 12. Number 12. Let me go. And I'm, 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 I'm Googling. I'm and Googling. The, and the, the vibe was good with all the girls, you know, from good. the different different um, countries, you know, staying in the same hotel. There was no, oh, you fouled me on the pitch, yeah, you know, sort of. Uh, no, nah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I think there was a bit of, because obviously I think one of the biggest things was Spain would have, like, their siestas in the middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and go to bed quite late. So we were, I remember we were, um, it was maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, and we were all listening to music, dancing in the hallways, and playing cards and stuff. And they actually, because it's one of those hotels where it's hollow in the middle, so you can see down from the different levels. Oh, yeah. okay. And they're just yelling at us, going, you know, we're trying to sleep, we're trying to sleep. And we were very confused at the start. <laughs> um, but it's, on the flip side, they go to bed at maybe 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. I was going to say, so, yeah, they could get you uh, back if you kept them up during yeah, the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good way to, uh, to rig a World Cup. Oh, <laughs> that, that happened. That's what yeah. happened to the, uh, to the English in Mexico. I'm sure there's been plenty of hotel fire alarms tripped yeah. when visiting teams yeah. have been staying. <laughs> not, not that I'd know anything about that myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Miranda, thank you very much for joining us. Is no there, worries. Thank you, guys. Is there anything else that you would like to have a chat to us about? No, just thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Keep listening to the show and missing back home, but you guys are doing awesome. Don't awesome. No, turn it up. One of us is, <laughs> and one of us is pressing, one of us is pressing the buttons. <laughs> Great. So, what's next for Miranda Templeman on the international scene? Do is there a tournament coming up? I think they're trying to form a under-23 squad to do some more tournaments. So they're trying to um, get that going because previously it's been you're under-17s and you're under-20s. And, 20s, and so, then seniors. Um, yeah. yeah, and then seniors. So they're trying to bridge that gap. Good. They did an under-20s camp to the um, AFF while I was injured. But um, they're trying to make that a more regular thing and I think that's a really good idea to kind of bridge that gap into the senior environment. Now, you because did surprise me that it wasn't a, an official under-23 side. So that under-23 side that went to the AFF was basically mm. what, an under-21 under twenty under side? Yeah, I think it was a mixture. I think there was two kind of groups. It was the World Cups, the under-20s World Cup side, and then a lot of A-League and um, yeah. players around 21, 22, 23 years of age. So um, they had a lot of uh, flu and gastro issues over there. So, yeah, well, that's um, why I mentioned, yeah. Yeah, luckily they brought, I think, 32 players over. So 
um, they did have some backup, but it was a struggle for them, what I've heard. Wow. Wow. Is it good thing you were injured then? <laughs> no. No. Jeez, you. No, no. Hey, Bali Belly's never fun. No. And I can imagine as a um, professional sports person, Bali Belly would be the absolute worst. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I think we there was a lot of... When we were in... Um, Thailand for the under 17s. There was a lot of people that, including myself, that Ooh. went down with a bit of food poisoning. And yeah. the night before we played, oh, who was it? Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. I played horribly, but <laughs> to be fair, I think I'd had a slice of bread and two hours sleep yeah. <laughs> in the last 12 hours before the game. So, uh, a bit of suffering, but toughens the skin, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we can do with that, that sort of uh, <laughs> toughening regime. I know I can anyway. Miranda, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> On that savoury note, <laughs> th- thank you very much for joining us. Um, you have an excellent season and um, we want to see you on the telly more than we see you on the bench. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll do my best. I've got a hammer I can send over if that helps. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, Nancy it's, Kerrigan style. Yeah, I was going to say it's not. It's not women's ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Miranda. You stay safe. Thanks, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Miranda. Best see you soon. Bye. Bye, bye. And that was. Young Matilda's Miranda Templeman now currently in the Melbourne Victory A League women's setup. Yep, and not officially part of the Perth Glory. No, uh, as Never a been, as yeah. a senior player. Yeah. Uh, one little uh, little just before we move on um, uh, update. So the for anyone planning on following the Australia at the World Cup, which as I said that I thought that's a stupid thing to say. For anyone, because we're all going to follow Australia at the World Cup, if you're looking for the uh, World Cup live site update, uh, West Australian Socceroos fans, we're all going to be at the Varsity Bar in Northbridge. Uh, The kickoffs are Australia versus France is Wednesday the 23rd, 3 a.m. local time. So they have the extended trading licence. Uh, I'm personally not sure if I'll be at that one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'll get my pen. Hang on a minute, Pete. 3 a.m. drinks. 3 a.m. You yep. bet. <laughs> Australia versus Tunisia, 6 p.m. on Saturday the 26th. And I can tell you, not just the Varsity Bar, but all of Northbridge will be heaving then. I'd be surprised if you could find a spot at any bar for that one. Yep. Um, because I don't think you can get a sweeter time zone than 6 p.m. on a Saturday night to, no. to watch the national team. Uh, and finally, Australia versus Denmark on Wednesday the 30th will be at 11 p.m. And that's obviously the last game of the group, so it may be in the balance. Right. That's uh, a question that I do have uh, with hosting the World Cup. Host cities usually have a FIFA fan zone. Yes. And I was just wondering where the FIFA fan zone would be in Perth. And I'm thinking the Piazza on Northbridge, maybe? Because you need a big screen. Yeah, that's what I would have. It's fairly locked in there, though, isn't it? Yeah. How many people you reckon you're going to get in there? Oh, I don't know. I don't, oh, I've been there for like years ago when they used to. Well, they probably still do, but the kids' movie nights yeah, used to do in yeah. summertime. So I used to take the kids there, and that was it was fairly packed at time. Well, not not like standing room watching a sports event packed, but yeah. it was the you know the grass area'd fill up. Okay. Well, uh, one other thing which I may have been mentioned previously, but we'll it. just throw it out there as well. Uh, Perth Glory Legends are playing the PCH All Stars. Who are the PCH P? Uh, Perth Children's Hospital. He frantically looked down at the logo Thank to try to you. translate that. So there's a charity football match. That's uh, that's in a month's time, Sunday the 20th of November. 
Kickoff at 2.30pm, Grindleford Reserve, so Balcatter FC. Uh, all proceeds go to the PCH Foundation and BCRCWA. Don't ask me what that is, but I'm sure it's a worthy charity. Uh, and the entry is just via a gold coin donation, so it should be um, should be worth going to if you've got nothing else on BCRC. Sunday the 20th. BCRC. There is a logo there, but my eyesight cannot make Bristol that tiny City? logo. I, I don't think that's what it is. If it was BRMC, I'd know it was the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, the, the band, but no, okay. Breast Cancer Research Centre. I had to take my glasses off and press my nose to the screen to read the logo. It's a very small logo. Do you have an entrance fee for that? Gold uh, coin donation. Gold coin. You so, said that, didn't you? Yeah, so literally just don't don't bother bringing your ATM or your credit card or anything like that. Just, just get a gold coin. And that is the day the World Cup starts. 20th of November. Mm. There you go. Okay. Good news. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for informing our listeners of that. We're going to go to a break, and after the break, provided he hasn't done something uh, a little bit more interesting, we'll have Aaron <laughs> Trevathan on, because he was due to be on about 20 minutes earlier. But, oh, there we go. That was that beep. Aaron's just gone, yes. So I will apologise to him off air, and we'll have him on after the break. You're with Pete and Hugh on the World Football Programme on 107.9 Radio Fremantle. You stay with us. Plenty more to come. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsal.com futsalwa.org.au Gate and Fence Hardware WA Your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security We can offer great advice and solutions for your project Trade and layman, welcome Hardware shipped all over Australia Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Sponsor. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Yes, you are. You are listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. In particular, the World Football Program. Joining me on the line now is Aaron Trevathan from the Football Tragics podcast. Good afternoon, Aaron. How are you today? Good, thank you, guys. How are you doing today? We're very, very well. As I uh, said before, we got you on. Apologies for the delay. Um, Aaron, EPL, we're at, uh, what, match day 14, is it, this weekend? Uh, yes, yep. 14, I believe, yep. How's that progressing for you at the moment? We see Manchester United from the throes of sack Ten Hag because he's rubbish to, geez, Ten Hag should be here for the next 15 years because he's building a uh, dynasty. What's going on there, mate? Uh, it's been a, a massively exciting season, I think, already. Um, mm. You know, seeing the likes of Holland just blowing oh, three out mm. of the water and scoring yeah. so goals. Um, like you said, United kind of hitting a bit of form now and looking pretty good under Ten Hag. The thing that impresses me the most, I think, about them is Ten Hag definitely has brought his character to the Premier League oh, yeah. and kind of made it aware that, you know, he doesn't stand for anything and, you know, it's his way or the highway. Yep. And he proved that, you know, dropping Ronaldo... Um, not starting Ronaldo countless times. So, and even just recently in the Europa League as well, you know, with the whole 
Anthony yeah. situation. How blown so, up was that, mate? I mean, the guys, the guys doing tricks, and, and I was listening. To, it's funny you mentioned that. I was listening hmm. to a podcast on the way in, and they were going, "Look, you know, oh, that's disgraceful. You shouldn't have been doing it." And one of the the podcasters went, "Well, the only thing I found wrong with it was that he didn't connect with the pass." And I thought, "That's well, right." I, I, you think, know, he, I think that is probably why it looks bad. It's definitely been blown out of proportion, but the fact that I suppose. If you're going to do something like that, a skill move that I suppose breaks up play and doesn't really help progress, if you don't connect with the pass yeah. afterwards, it's a bit of a, a waste. So I think it definitely has blown out of proportion and shouldn't have been. Yeah. But I can see, I can also see on from a manager's perspective definitely why it would be frustrating. But again, I don't think it needs to be blown up that no. way. But that's just the... I mean, that's media, I suppose. No. That's always going to happen. Yeah, it was interesting so. that Ten Hag actually said, look, I've got no problem with it, provided it's, you know, exactly. ben- ben- benefiting again, the game. And, and you'd expect that from a from a Dutch uh, manager. You know, you, you look at... The, you know, Johan Cruyff. You know, imagine someone saying to Johan Cruyff, what are you doing throwing yourself in the back there, mate? Just head it in. No, no, I'm doing the overhead kick here, mate. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. just head well, it in, mate. Well, I suppose that United knew what they were getting when they signed him. Oh, yeah. He was, mm-hmm. with, he was with Ten Hag at Ajax. That's right. He's Brazilian. He's been known for his skills. So I think it's... I mean, I personally like it. I like seeing skills in the Premier League. Yeah. I like seeing skills all over the world. I love that kind of football. Yeah. But again, I do understand the fact that a, a, a somewhat simple pass was well and truly over Fair enough. Fair enough. He did butcher that. Now, you mentioned uh, Harlan. I mean... We- I was going to say we. Those in the in, in, in the football world knew what was coming. How can the EPL followers of of the the world be so surprised that he's actually gone? This is the same thing I've been doing all over the world. Mm. I mean, th- what did you expect when, like, when they signed Harlan? I thought, oh, here we go. How long? How much are they going to win this by? I mean, the guy yeah, is. I think- I think everybody kind of knew what they were getting with Harley Gold okay. for up, but a, f- a few of his seeds have kind of been, I suppose, hit with injuries towards the end of it, so maybe they didn't know yeah, okay. how fit he'd be. But also just the fact that he went to probably the most free-flowing team in the country and the team that creates the most chances far and wide has the best centre attacking <laughs> mid with the Bruyne and yeah. the rest of them. So, it's yeah, the, uh, to look at it as a whole, it's really no surprise the way he's scoring goals, but mm-hmm. just the fact that I suppose it's not been done at the rate like yeah. like it is being doing now is the the shocking point. But I mean, it's great to see. It's great to have you'd say the best players in the world in the league. So that's what it's what you want. It's exciting. But God, I, you know, you don't look forward to seeing your team up against them. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily for me, my team's uh, going to be looking forward to uh, League Two f- opposition <laughs> if uh, we don't get our fingers out of our backside. But anyway, that's a different story. The uh, game's coming up tonight, mate. Which uh, which in the EPL takes your fancy? Is it the Leicester City Manchester City game, the early well, kickoff? That, that, well, that should be good because it is an early kickoff. But there is reports that Haaland is injured for that game. Is that right? So Ooh. whether he starts on the bench, doesn't play at all, is rested. It's probably one of those games where you look at it and you probably think, if you're City, if you're Pep, you can afford to rest him. You know, mm, away yeah. from home, they are. Leicester's not been doing the best. Um, they're doing a little better now, but they haven't been all season, so City should win without him. Yep. So I think he probably does get rested. Um, but well, I would, I'd be resting him. I mean, he's done the job. Mm-hmm. He, he, he particularly, well, he's already said he's not going to the World Cup. Oh, they didn't qualify. Of course they're not mm-hmm. going to the World Cup. But <laughs> yeah, he, he's already said, like, like you know, I've, I've got, I'm happy to play whatever games I'm, uh, you want me to play, but 
I don't think I'll be able to play all of them. But, yeah, with the World Cup coming up, he probably won't have to anyway. So that's good mm. news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He definitely benefits from the fact that he will get, what, a six-week break or, yeah. or so when everybody else is going hard. So where, where I said that he does pick up injuries late in the season, I mean, this year might be perfect for him because he will allow his body to rest for a few weeks yeah. um, and get that time where he'd probably usually be under the most strain. So... For him, I mean, it's going to work out. I mean, you'd love to play the World Cup, but um, other than that, I think that, I mean, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I'm looking forward to the game in the morning against Brighton. I was going to get on to that one, Aaron, the uh, the Grand <laughs> yeah. Potter Derby. How, how how are you looking forward to that one then? Yeah, well, I mean, Brighton are a tricky team because they have been, I mean, especially under Potter, they were growing into quite a formidable side and yeah. you know, pushing up the ladder. But since signing Roberto De Zerbi, they've done next to nothing. They've fallen back into their kind of old ways where they'd have a lot of shots, but they can't hit the target. Hmm. Um, so I'm yeah. confident going into that game. I'd like to think that Potter has a one-up on them, knows exactly how they're going to oh, you don't play the so. new yeah. manager, knows the players inside and out. So I'd like to think that we should win that. I wouldn't say, you know, comfortably. Because we don't seem to ever win any game comfortably. Right <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah that, that's the fun of a Chelsea fan, isn't it? But I mean, <laughs> exactly. current, current form has Chelsea undefeated in five, and Brighton with only two points out of the uh, the same game frame with um, yeah two two draws and three losses. So but we also, we also like to give to those teams that are in struggling form. So <laughs> oh, that, I, I, no, I'm going to have to put. I'm pulling you up on that one, Aaron. Every time that you played West Brom, it was six nil. All the time. So what favour you were doing us? <laughs> <laughs> some team, still all team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so from a, from a fan perspective, that's definitely a game I'll be watching. Um, but I'd say the two that I think should be the most exciting, definitely Newcastle versus Villa. I think, um, I mean, Newcastle absolutely flying right now. Yeah. And it's crazy because, yes, they spent a lot of money, but what they did with that money, the way they've built a project, a team, is so impressive a manager who is almost like he's one of their own kind of thing yeah. at this stage. So for me, it's more than just their spending at that club. They've got something real good going on. And then they're also a team who've just got rid of Stephen Gerrard and then went yeah. and put four past a decent Brentford side a week later. So yeah. that should be a cracker game. I'd like to think Newcastle at home come away with it. But again, the new manager bounce, you don't know how teams are going to come yeah. out. Uh, so that'll be it. A huge game, I think, an exciting one. And then also Fulham versus Everton as well, I think, should be a good game. Everton, uh, Fulham again, having a great season, probably unexpected. Mitrovic on fire against the Everton team, who again, out of nowhere, beat Palace 3-0, which yep. was unexpected. Mm. So those are the two games I think should be good. Liverpool versus Leeds a bit later again. is, I mean, Liverpool haven't been doing the best, but they don't they don't lose to Leeds. And I think Jesse Marsh's time's running out at Leeds, so it's probably... One more, on the, one more nail in the coffin, I think. We'll have him. We need a manager. Well, that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's. In, I've just gone to the uh, to the league scorers, and you've mentioned Mitrovic, and having seen him uh, carve up the championship last season, uh, Mitro nine goals this season so mm. far from eleven games, and a goals per ninety, so 0.87. So every mm. ninety minutes, 0.87. So he, he's putting a goal in at a uh, conversion rate of twenty three percent. And at the top of that, as we mentioned, Harlan, 17 goals from 11 games. Uh, goals per 90, 1.65 goals every 90 minutes. Uh, 54 minutes per goal. 
uh, conversion rate of 41, which surprised me, but a shot accuracy of 66%. It's yeah. like, the, he's just... Yeah, again, I mean, that's just, that's just that shit expected in a video game. It is, yeah. it is, it is, with the hacks on as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Callum, Callum Wilson recently came out and said he was speaking to Michael Antoni on a podcast. He said they need to bring in a silver silver boot this year because Holland's just run away with the golden boot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he needs to, they need to make it more fair for the rest of the league. And then you do look at it, you look at the likes of Mitrovic, who obviously is getting the headlines because he's playing full on, but you look at Harry Kane, who yep. is having his best start to a season in a while or That's if ever. Yep. Um, and he's not even getting a mention because it's what, what nine goals in nine games, just, it, it's just that. Whereas uh, Erling Haaland has how many and how yeah, many. 17. You know, it, it blows him out of the park. Yeah. So these, there's a lot of strikers who are playing very well and having good seasons. Ivan Tony as well, one of them, who yeah, could Ivan be Tony, yeah. running for a golden boot and have a chance to get their first ever golden boot and probably their only one playing for the clubs they are. But then Haaland comes along and steals the show. Mm-hmm. So... Well, that's right. I mean, those three players you mentioned there, Kane, Mitrovic and Tony, are only, uh, well, Tony's two goals behind Harry Kane in the goal-scoring charge. And like I say, any any normal season, you'd be thinking, I'm in a, I'm in a show here. Yeah. I've, I've got a decent side. I'm in goal-scoring form. And I am, if we use Ivan Tony as an example, you are nine goals behind the leading <laughs> goal-scorer after 11 games. You think, mm, probably not going to win the gold boot this year, am I? <clears throat> Poor bugger. But, but that being said, you've got to be in it to win it, and they're doing quite well. As much as I, you know. Now, Forest, on the other hand, back mm. to where they belong, bottom of the table. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, do you want to have a chat about them, please, Aaron? Well, I mean, who could have predicted the fact that Liverpool? I mean, they'd beat Liverpool, honestly. Like, well, no one. Has <laughs> yeah, the, has to be upset of the season by far. Easy. Um, they definitely, I mean, they started the season with the win and we said, oh, okay, maybe Forrest have some. And then, you know, the next how many games, 10, 11, 12 games, basically provided nothing. Yeah. Um, and then, for me, I thought that, well, I thought this could have been one of the games, similar to the game against Bournemouth, where they're get, getting a lot of sticks, they've not been good, then they go and put nine past the team and you think, oh, okay, Liverpool back. Yeah. They didn't do that. They couldn't They couldn't do it. They had a fair ton of shots against Forrest, but Forrest just played out of their skin, probably their best game all year. Probably will be their best game of the year all season, and I do think they're probably still championship bound. But I mean, that'll be definitely a highlight for them in recent years. So I do think that they've got Arsenal coming up away from home. Again, Arsenal have been a bit sloppy the last yeah. couple of weeks. So I still top the table, so as, as sloppy yeah, as, as is. Yeah. With... yeah, so I assume they're going to get their season back on track and kind of well, they can't afford to not because City are chasing their tails, and if they go on suffer even a draw against the Forest at home, you know, that's kind of their season, I think, you know, starting to take shape. So if they can carry on some good form, who knows how far they can go. But yeah, for Forest, I do think that was kind of their one-and-done game for the season. Um, that's their highlight and kind of going to go back to the Championship. Yeah, and with that, um, the, the bottom end of the table, I mean, no, we've, we've concentrated at the top end of the table because, I mean, that's where the glory's to be found, but... Uh, all the way up to Everton in 12th, there's only four points between bottom Nottingham Forest and Everton in 12th. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's crazy. I know it's early, but surely that's, uh, you know, everybody must be looking over their shoulder going, oh, hang on a minute here, boys, because <laughs> you've got the likes of Southampton, Crystal Palace, Everton that I mentioned, Leeds are in that, uh, in that danger zone as well. It's still too early to, to make any major predictions apart from Forest down and... 
and Villa gone as well? Because you know how much I love Villa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think it is quite early because of the fact that if you look at the table, Liverpool in eighth spot are, are closer to relegation than they are to top of the table. <laughs> So that just yep. shows how they are that's too. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah, this has been Stad City here. That's a good stat. I'm looking at that table. I didn't even notice that. You 100 yeah, correct mean, there. I would absolutely love to see Liverpool go down. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but there's, there's probably a 0.0% chance of ever happening. You've actually got. You've got Fulham, who at the moment are in the uh, European close. qualification, who are that's also good, yeah. closer to relegation than they are to Championship. Exactly. Yep. That's, that's crazy. And that's, I think that's an exciting. I think that's exciting because from for a while now we've had the Premier League that's pretty open. Uh, sorry, pretty closed. I'd say in the fact that you kind of know who the top teams are, you know who the bottom teams are, and yes, there's some shocks along the way, but for the most part, there's not too much change. Wow. So to see the Leicester and Wolves for me, who team who were teams who were kind of on the up the last few years, I mean Leicester won the league. Yep. Um, for, for for me to see them right down the bottom there. Definitely, definitely in a relegation battle at the moment. Um, is yep. entertaining from a neutral standpoint. And, but entertaining also, from a West Brom fan that uh, Wolves, 12 games in, have scored a maximum of five goals. <laughs> That's less than a goal a game. I'm not even good at maths if I know that one. It's less than a goal every two exactly, games. Exactly, and that just, I, I don't know, yeah, just, <laughs> I suppose, is interesting because, especially from Wolves' point of view, I mean, they signed Diego Costa, who yep. they had no real other options, it seems, but he's 34 years old. He hadn't played a game in let alone scored a goal in, like, you know, scored five goals in however long after that. So, for, for me, I, I can't really see it going any other way from Wolves. This actually could, unless they don't turn it around soon, this could be their time they're going to go back down to the championship. Yep. Oh, let's hope so. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know, well, again, Wolves, they get everything they deserve. That's all I can say. Now, Barcelona <laughs> in the uh, Champions League. Yes, I mean, Bayern Munich have done a number on them again. Uh, I mean, how can a side like Barcelona be the whipping boys for anybody? <laughs> but they are. They're Bayern Munich's bunnies. Well, they were that actually. They were off to a decent start in the La Liga. That was the surprising thing. You kind of thought that their their worries are kind of behind them. There's the sign Lewandowski. They've got a couple other players in. Yep. Rafinha. Yep. Those like, and you thought, okay, they're going to get the season back on track, but. No, it, I mean, it didn't happen. As I said, they're flying in the league and doing the right, apart from losing the old Classico. But Champions League comes along and, yes, they were in a group with Bayern, but I would still fancy them over into Milan. So oh, yeah. The, <laughs> I suppose, I, I, I would say Bayern are far and wide a much stronger team. So for those two games to, to, to be losses, that's fine. But for them not to get anything from two games to Inter, or one point from two games to Inter, kind of is the reason they're going, they're dropping into the Europa League. But, yeah. Well, the, the, the only win they had was against uh, Plents, Victoria Plents. Mm. Exactly. So You're kidding me? A, We're talking about Barcelona here. <laughs> yeah, well, from a from a club's perspective, they spent financially because they assumed they were going to go further in the Champions League. So for them to now drop in the Europa League is actually taken a, it's taken more than a hit just on their ego. It's taken a hit on their, their books because mm. they definitely spent, given the fact they were thinking they're going to get some, some money going through the Champions League. So... Um, worrying signs for them, uh, that's for sure. But yeah, it's, it's a crazy situation in the Champions League, that's for sure. Yep. So the English clubs are doing quite well. So we've got Liverpool that have qualified, we've got Tottenham that have qualified, we've got City that have qualified, we've got your Chelsea that have qualified. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think it just shows that it's now 
showing that the English teams are kind of getting back on top of Europe as well as, I mean, their own league, you know? Yeah. For mm. however long Real Madrid won every Champions League. I mean, they did, they did win it last year. But as a whole, as a collective, I'd say that the Premier League was and has and still is the strongest league in the world. But also, they're now starting to prove that on the, the European stage as well. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's good to see, definitely. But it just shows, I suppose, La Liga. I think they only had... Well, Real Madrid was the only team that have progressed as well through the Champions League. So Sevilla's out, Atletico Madrid's out as well. So, yep. yeah, yep. For, for the Premier League, they couldn't have asked for much better to look good as a, as a league. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Anything else you'd like to uh, leave us with, Aaron, before we say goodbye? We've, we're coming short of time. That's my fault. My time management is as <laughs> as good as it's always been, which means it's absolutely appalling. Um, the um, the Mallory incident, do we want to talk about that one or, or save that for another time? Which one was that, sorry? Uh, Paolo Mallory. Uh, um, oh, yes. Um, well, I guess that's just, thank, thank God he's, yeah. Um, okay, in not serious condition because that's a yeah, it's a worrying, worrying situation. We don't exactly know exactly how it happened, but whatever, just caught up in, caught up in a crossfire. But yeah, that's a horrible incident for anybody, let alone someone who's kind of named in the spotlight. Yeah, that's right. So he's um, he's recovering from surgery. He's had uh, um, surgery to re- repair some uh, muscles in his back. He uh, yeah, as he said, he's. He's quite to have, to feel lucky and to escape life-threatening injuries after being stabbed and seeing a person die in front of me in an Italian supermarket. Mm. It was, yeah, sketchy um, uh, details at the moment, but um, yeah, he was in uh, the suburb of Ascago, uh, a suburb of Milan, doing his weekly shopping, and somebody, well, it says a 46-year-old suspect is being treated under guard at a psychiatric ward at San Paolo Hospital in Milan. But yeah, he uh, he went round and just started a stabbing spree. It was uh, terrible. Anyway, mm. and, and Pablo Mari, Arsenal uh, player, was there with his wife and two kids and tried to do the right thing and ended up being on the uh, on the injured list as well. So yeah. we wish him and his family well. He's currently playing for Monza at the moment on, on loan from Arsenal. So good news there. Anything yeah, else absolutely. you'd like to leave yeah. us with, Aaron? Mm. No. Um, no, I think we're. we're covered a fair bit there. We covered more than a more than a fair <laughs> bit. We sure did. Yeah, I mean the time always flies by that's for sure when we're talking because you can you can go on and on about football, that's for sure, but we definitely covered the big topic I feel. So as always guys, thanks for having me on. No uh, worries. And I always look forward to the next one. You bet and a shout out for your podcast please, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, so if you guys anybody out listening wanted to check out the Football Tragics, we're a weekly podcast um chatting Premier League um week in, week out. And yep. Like just like you guys love chatting football, so if anybody checks that out, much appreciate. And thanks, guys, for having me. Oh, quick, quick question before we let you go, because I, I we had a quick yep. no, I had a quick Google <laughs> of of the podcast. Uh, I came up with the football tragic blog spot. That's not you. No, okay. So we're just on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you can get podcasts. Really, so yep. we don't have a blog or anything okay. like that. No. Yeah, all right. Just, just wanted to check because I mean, the name was so close. I'm like, I don't think that's the yeah. same one. I did say to Pete before we went to Essen. No, that's not him. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's good to good to put any confusion to bed. That's yeah, true. He actually had a name. He was going to throw at you as well. I said, No, no, You're that's not? that's not them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Aaron by himself. He's with some mates, but no, no, not that one. <laughs> Good on you. Thanks, Aaron. We really do appreciate your time here at the World Football Program, and we look forward to chatting with you very, very soon. 
Um, catch you next time. Thank you very much. Perfect. You stay Thanks, safe. Guys. Thanks, Aaron. Ta-da, mate. That was Aaron Trevathan, whose podcast is The Football Tragics. That's not right. The, not The Football Tragic. Not The Blog Singular blog. Football Tragic. Right, two completely yep. independent. We'll, we'll throw a link up to them on the Facebook group. Thank you for doing that, Pete. Thank you very much for being here, being the greatest wingman the world's ever seen. <laughs> You've been listening to Hugh and Pete on Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. I'd like to thank our partners, Futsal WA, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for custom-built fencing and gates, and Gate and Fence Hardware WA for fence and gate components and automation to upgrade and protect your property. Len is coming up next with Bags Groove, so you keep it locked. That is a jazz show worth listening to. We'll be back next week at the same time, 10am, here on Radio Fremantle 107.9. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.